0: Hey, this is Andy, and welcome to This Won't Teach You Anything, Episode 2, Season 1. On this episode, we will feature A Star is Born uh, from 2018, Bradley Cooper's directorial debut on the film reel. And on Sound You Can Feel, we have Is That Alright by Lady Gaga from the soundtrack for A Star is Born. Uh, we have a special guest. I'll be joined by my good friend Jake Gehringer. Uh, Jake is pursuing a career career. the production side of things in Hollywood. He brings great perspective to any movie discussion. He loves film as much as I do. Uh, Full disclosure, when we recorded the segment, we lost track of the time and basically recapped the entire story of A Star is Born. So that is a reason for this mega-sized episode. That and the fact that the film is an all-time favorite of both of ours and my wife as well. I can promise you, After all the editing required for an episode this size, it will be a while before I produce one this size again. To avoid all spoilers, please skip ahead to 1 hour, 49 minutes, and 43 seconds. There will be a second alert if you want to start the segment without spoiling the end of the movie. Let's get to it. welcome to the film reel i'm here with my good friend jake geringer based out of where you at these days jake i'm in la more specifically redondo beach all right all right so yeah jake is originally from the midwest
1: yep that's correct um i spent some time in chicago uh lived there for 10 years uh went to film school up there and then uh then moved out to L.A. with uh, aspirations, as they say.
0: Yeah, so Jake has a unique perspective that someone who's just starting a podcast is not in the film industry, as where I am more of a fan of films. Uh, someone like Jake takes it to the next level by actually going to film school and pursuing a dream in the motion picture industry, taking it all the way out to L.A. So do you, being out in L.A., what do you see as i mean you know we go to places around here and if we see somebody like that's on the evening news we're like oh that's so-and-so i'm assuming that you probably have some more interesting tales than what we're seeing here in the midwest
1: uh yeah uh it's one of those uh things early on when i first moved out here i always had disbelief like oh there's no way that this is that person but uh my roommate who is a, a trying to be an actor as well he said living in la the chances are it is that person rather than it isn't that person and the first person that i saw if i'm remembering correctly was um the dude from magic mike uh joe uh big tall dude what's his name mangelino
0: that guy yep
1: yeah so i saw him on the bike path and I told my roommate about it. I was like, it probably wasn't him. And that's when he told me that. So chances are that you see somebody. And the most important thing is, just, I mean, it it allows you to realize that they're just human beings just trying to live their life more than everybody else. So it's it's really not a big deal. It becomes second to, to just another stranger that you're passing by.
0: Yeah, with the exception of, oh, I recognize that person.
1: Yeah, that's basically it. But I that. mean,
0: yeah, it, it's not, It's not. they're not on the red ca- carpet, they're at the grocery store. They're Correct. at the gym There's something yes. like that. What's one that stands out in your mind as to where you were just like, I've got to say something to this person? Have you done that?
1: I I have. Um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. Uh, did, I, did I tell you about this story?
0: Yeah, I believe well, I heard it, but uh, I'll act like I didn't for the purposes okay. of the podcast.
1: Well. With Jamie Lee Curtis, I see her on a semi-regular basis and okay. we're on a face recognition uh, sort of uh, a person. Like you would see somebody at the bus stop every sure. couple of weeks and have a conversation with them. Hey, how you doing? This this being the exception of Jamie. Yeah. Um, and one one highlight was when she I saw her on Halloween morning and she said, happy Halloween to me. Appropriate. Oh my God, that was, I was telling everybody, it was so cool. Uh, But uh, um, she had a conversation. It was like the second or third time that I saw her, I was getting kind of confident and I was like, uh, hey, it's nice to see you again. She's like, yeah, how's everything going? I'm like, yeah, things are are good. And I was like, you know, Jamie, people are going to start talking. They see us uh, bumping into each other like this. She looked at me and she's like, she smiled and she said, let him talk. I was like,
0: oh. <laughs> fantastic.
1: Ah, uh, she she's the coolest, the nicest
0: person I celeb
1: I've ever met. Uh,
0: so yeah, that's cool. Uh, again, bringing you on for a Hollywood esque perspective, being that that's just not much that uh, happens here where I'm at.
1: Yeah, uh, that's true, and and that's one of the reasons why I I left was to be able to, um, because I. I'm not necessarily relying on my talents to be able to do it. I'm more relying on uh, my personality and sociability, where I can talk to about anybody about anything for the most part, and so I can have conversations like that. And I'm not, I'm not pest uh, uh, like pandering for any kind of autograph or anything. Yeah. I just take just that hey, how a, how you
0: doing?
1: That's it. And yeah, that's cool and that's so cool. yeah that's one of the advantages that i have where i don't necessarily get starstruck
0: right yeah no that's that's well and if you do you control it
1: right yeah <laughs> it's it's like those internal things like when you're seeing a horror movie i'm not gonna jump and scream every time there is some sudden sound i'm i have the internal shock and don't really uh, I, I keep a poker face if you will
0: oh nice how appropriate for this show No, that's great. So that's a great introduction. We will be talking about, on the film reel segment here, we'll be talking about A Star is Born. I believe the, would this make it the officially fourth incarnation of this film? I believe there was one uh, way back. It was 37. All right. And then we had the Judy Garland version.
1: Right, which was in 54.
0: Excellent. Did your homework. I'm glad. Yes, sir. And then Chris Christopherson, Barbara Streisand. 78. Very nice. And so we have the new version here in uh, 18. That's correct. Overall story is, is somewhat similar. Times change.
1: True. The first two incarnations were both more on the Hollywood machine okay. and how to become a Hollywood movie star. And then Babs came in in 78 and turned it more into a, a music star.
0: But a, a a mentor kind of relationship.
1: Oh, for sure. Somebody helping them get uh, recognition and bring them and their talents to the forefront that they wouldn't normally be able to do.
0: Okay. All right. So just basically opening opening a door, and and, yep. and kind of the evolution of of what happens once that once that door is open. So in the 2018 version, it was brought to life by
1: Bradley Cooper and. Uh, Actually, the backstory to it was um, in 2011. Clint Eastwood was up for it, and even before that, uh, uh, Will Smith was uh, in talks with uh, Aaliyah about doing something in like the late 90s. But then it uh, kind of got put away, and nothing happened from that. And I'm I'm sure the death of Aaliyah was a huge factor in that. And then uh, 2011 came along. Clint Eastwood was involved with it, and they were talking to Beyonce. About actually being
0: Clint Eastwood was involved from a directorial standpoint. Correct, okay.
1: directorial, um, and I'm not sure about the writing aspect of it, but I do know that one of the writers brought in. Uh, it was based, I think it was Will something was one of the writers, and it was based off of Kurt Cobain. Actually, when the with the adaptation of that, and then uh, Clint Eastwood uh, directed bradley cooper and american sniper in 2013 he was up for best actor and they had talked about this process and he talked about his project coming up and Clint eastwood dropped out of it and bradley cooper kind of uh, um, went forward with that and tried to uh, pitch this to become the director and he's never directed anything so one of the visions that he came up with was like the opening sequence was what he pitched and was able to take the the, the directing title uh, and to go forward and then look for um, the the lead, which still had Beyonce in talks of it. And after a few different people and just throwing names out, they eventually got to Lady Gaga when Bradley Cooper went to a concert and saw her sing that Edith Piaf song. I think it's uh, La vienna Rose.
0: Yeah, that she sings in the film.
1: Right. She sings that in...
0: When Jackson... For Caesar, it's yeah. in a small I mean, quote-unquote concert setting in a uh, in a bar.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, it's it's one of those things that uh, you're you're taking partial truths. I mean, that was how they first met. Whether Lady Gaga knew that or not, but that's how they first saw it, and that's how he first saw her in concert and thought that she would be a perfect um, actress. And he was totally right for that because they both. That they both were nominated for Best Actor and Best Actress that year.
0: Right, right. Well, let's let's take from that and and start since we're before we get too far. We open the film. We're introduced to Jackson Maine, and he's just about to go on stage. And so you already have the feeling at the beginning of the film that that this character is an established rock star.
1: Yeah, concert full, everybody screaming and loving uh, him performing, even though. He's performing, as we later find out, um, underperforming and just doing his job.
0: What I like about that first, um, from a real life point of view, it'd be kind of depressing, but from a storytelling point of view is one of the first things you see is you're kind of following him onto stage. And just before he goes on, he grabs a drink and some pills out of a prescription pill bottle and downs those and heads mm. onto stage. It almost says... You know, when I saw it, you know, that, that this guy has been doing this a long time and and the music, the music end of it, who knows how long the drinking and whatnot you find out through the course of the movie. But, you know, it's one of those things like, okay, I got to get, got to get myself to this certain place. And this is what I do. This is part of my routine. You know, this guy's lived hard and goes ahead and and relies in, in the first few minutes. You, you notice that, that he's alcohol dependent and probably has some kind of prescription, uh, uh, med- medication addiction based just what you see in those first couple minutes.
1: Yeah. And, and that's one of those things that like you're saying, it sets up, this is a guy going to do his job and this is how he prepares to do his job. I mean, uh, uh, me going to clock in, I, I put on my uniform or I put on work boots or it's, it just shows that he is, um, every person out there, but his, his, his uh, workplace environment is a crowd of screaming fans, mm-hmm. and he still needs to do those everyday things that, although it's, it's drugs, it's alcohol, to get him in the proper mood to be able to perform his job and to get by with just that.
0: Sure. Okay. You know, being a film student, then that first five minutes of the movie is very effective because you go ahead and you learn a lot about the character before his first real line of dialogue other than a song.
1: Right, those are the vital ones. The first seven minutes; it, those are the the capturing of the audience. If you don't capture the audience in the first seven minutes, then it'll be hell to try to find them and bring them back into the movie. Yeah. So those the seven minutes are the most important.
0: You and I and your brother, a friend of ours, and my wife we we saw this in December yeah. of two thousand eighteen. We caught it opening weekend. Oh yeah. And one of the things later that I read about the film was that. Bradley Cooper really wanted this to be able to go ahead and sell the idea and the feeling that Jackson Maine was a real rock star, not Bradley Cooper pretending to be a rock star. He really wanted uh, what he, I believe, described as a rocker to Mm -hmm. open the film. And I think it was, you know, they were getting ready to start production and he still hadn't found that song. And so yeah. uh, the song that it, the movie starts with, "Black Eyes," is actually written by Bradley Cooper, and he oh, wrote I didn't that, know that. Yeah, he wrote that. I think two weeks before production started because they still didn't have the song that that he was looking for. And I I think it was really effective because you know it's it's got a good got a good beat, a good uh, you know guitars and whatnot, and you really you know you you got introduced to the the full force of this guy and you know why this crowd reacts the way they do to him.
1: And yeah, that was totally a slow a slow build when it comes in and mm-hmm. with the guitar
0: hits you right in the face, especially in a good theater with a good sound system. You know, you really had kind of that concert sound type of feeling. Another thing that in reading the the background and the behind the scenes of the the film, but there were three main uh venues that they they went to to do concert scenes. Yeah. Uh one of them Coachella, Yes. And one was at the Glastonbury Music Festival in uh, England. Uh, another interesting thing about that was they were doing this with only basically monitors to the stage. They didn't hmm. have any, anything feeding through the speakers. So the crowd's reacting to a lot of stuff they can't even hear. And it's because oh. of the time uh, they didn't want any of that music getting out. So the people oh, wow. in the first three rows could hear stuff off the monitors yeah. that are pointed back at the stage for the musicians to hear,
1: uh-huh.
0: but nobody else could hear anything. So it's just like a mime performance up there, and it was because of, they didn't want any of the songs getting out. So that's a little wow. interesting, interesting yeah, they, piece well, of
1: that. Well, they did that in 8 Mile as well with Eminem.
0: Yeah, especially in this day and age where you can get a very good recording off of a cell phone. Going back to the film, we have Jackson Maine on stage is how we're introduced to him. We learn a couple things that, that he probably has uh, some demons in the form of alcohol and drug addiction just in the first few minutes. And as you said, that's those are the cru- crucial moments to go in and being able to grab an audience and, and get them interested in this character and their story arc.
1: Yep, that's the hook for okay. sure.
0: All right. So we, we meet Jackson. We see him perform. And it, it kind of, you know, right at the end of that first song kind, you know, does a quick time jump into at the end of the concert where he's leaving the hall, gets in his, um, uh, we'll say limousine, it's an SUV. Sure. Jumps in, uh, driver, you, you learn real quick that this is probably his driver that he uses all the time. It makes mm-hmm. some small talk um, about the driver's kids and whatnot. Jackson grabs a bottle of gin, finishes off that bottle of gin and immediately wants to go and pick up another one driver yep. tells him jack i don't know this area he's like well make a right down here and so he pulls over ends up
1: ends up ends up at blue blue the um at a uh uh, uh cross-dressing bar okay uh he doesn't realize that doesn't really care he's been warned a couple of different times but it, if they have a drink it's the place for him
0: <laughs> which was yeah which was uh, uh that one always uh made me laugh so he, he heads into the bar uh, ends up meeting uh, one of uh, Allie, as we learn later, one of her best friends.
1: Right. Um, yeah, so they go in there, and there's uh, a little bit of Lady Gaga. She she was discovered um, when she had a group of burlesque shows that she actually performed at Palooza in 2007 with her burlesque show group. And that's what got her... Um, recognized by akon uh, at the time and and so she was like with interscope records which was funny because interscope was mentioned as one of the places that wanted to pick her up um in the in a star is born and so uh, she's doing this show and it's it's not necessarily a burlesque show but it's uh not exactly a professional music uh classic piano show where she's all been trained in that but she's going to a place she used to work and she she feels comfortable with and they let her sing her songs when she typically is a songwriter for other people because of uh as we we get into realize that her self-confidence and his image that she has a big nose and thinks that she wouldn't be a big star because of her nose.
0: Right. And I think she makes mention a little, um, uh, a little bit after that scene to where, you know, she's been basically told that we like the way yeah, you by sound, everybody. Right. right. Yeah. We like the way you sound, but we don't like the way you look. Yes. Yeah. I think there's some of that. Well, I'll get into that in a second because we, we in this time span, we also meet Allie and, and we, yep. you know, we see that obviously she just, she just, And it's kind of probably a relationship that she wasn't all that invested in, 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 in in the bathroom there. She's on the phone. Just screams. Yep. Yep.
1: (laughs) It should be mentioned about the cinematography as well, because that was up for, uh, it was up for an Oscar for the cinematography. And that's something I noticed right off the bat where she comes like center and it was the, the symmetry of it. And she, the shot in the bathroom of her screaming, it's it's totally like keeping her uh bound um within the urinal or or not the urinal but the bathroom and then when she comes out and she's walking out the hall there's another place where she's like right in the middle and that's when you get the the title of a star is born as she's ascending up this dark stair this dark driveway out of the deep where she is uh, 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 keeps herself in the hotel. She's rising out of the deep. And so there's something to that with her going up and she is becoming the star and everybody's seeing her as she's
0: ascending. You know, you're talking to me about this. Everything else starts to fall into place. So that, that scene you're talking about where she's going up kind of that driveway uh, up the ramp uh, right before then she's told to take out the trash. So she's in this restaurant job you know, kind of, as you said, confined. So yep. I think the trash is symbolic of getting things off, off of her back. So, you know, she, she walks out of the restaurant, takes the trash out, throws it in the dumpster. And as you know, you, you see her real passion, which is singing. She yep. unloads that trash, starts to walk up the, the ramp and then, you know, starts singing over the rainbow.
1: Singing. Yeah. It's incredible.
0: So yeah, the normal movie going public myself included are looking at that and thinking, yeah, that's cool. And then you have a star, and then you have her, and then is born as she's walking up there. There's so much more in just, again, that's not said in that scene that you can go ahead and, and put together. I've seen the movie 15 times. Easy. And yeah. just now, I'm seeing it in a different light and how what, what that means. You know, that it's not just her throwing the trash out and getting out of work and being happy about it. It's right. It's kind of like... You learn just as much about her in those five minutes as you do about Jack in the five minutes. The parallels of where they are in their lives are is very, very well done. Good. you know you could have taken a half hour to go ahead and explain where these two are at with dialogue and things like that but it's it's yeah. done very succinctly in an overall of ten minutes
1: well that's that's the difference in the medias and the mediums of being able to this is this is a film this is a visual art. So being able to show these things and give uh, exposition in the video and showing the film is how you learn about people is by watching their actions and seeing these things rather than being told. Most people hate the exposition scenes where it's like, oh, this is the reason this needs to happen, this needs to happen. But like like you're saying, they're showing it and they're not telling it. That's a big difference and that's using the film medium.
0: Yeah. And it was very well done. And, you know, especially uh, I'm sure there'll be a couple of people that hear it and go, yeah, you know what? Uh, and again, if you haven't uh, seen this film, you know, you, you do yourself a favor because it, uh, it it is so well done from the performances to the directing. Jake mentioned the cinematography, um, just all around a really well done film. But getting back to what we we're talking about. So now we've, we we kind of have our introductions to Jack and Allie and... We go from there to, uh, again, where we were mentioned earlier, uh, a drag bar. Yep. And and she uh, does her performance. You know, Jack just happens to be there because he was looking for a drink. Gets in there. He's having a drink. Um, Allie's friend says, hey, you know, he recognizes Jack. He knows who he is. And he's like, hey, you got you to go ahead and watch my girl perform like right. that. And he's kind of like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And so, but she comes out at that point. He's, inter- he's semi-interested as long as she's not doing a karaoke performance you can tell he doesn't really have any need for that he mentions it so she comes out and i think basically what you see happen in in the transitions between the frames on jack and then and when Allie hits the stage he's he's intrigued but then when she starts singing can you can just see him change immediately from like kind of mildly interested to like what the hell is this you know yeah. I mean, and so he watches uh, the whole the whole performance of la vie on rose which I believe she did in one take.
1: I I would believe that. She knows that song so well.
0: She could do a one take, and then it's also a credit to the, the crew if they were able to film it all in one take.
1: Yeah, I'm sure they, and they did like a master, and they had coverage on it, and so they would cut into different things. But I'm sure that she knocked it out with one take with no problem.
0: So so we see that, and one of the things you, you notice uh, as soon as she finishes um, – You know, you you see Jack kind of wipe a tear, just a little one, doesn't want to be seen doing it, but it it says a lot, you know, because you can tell that it, that it, that it reached him and to go ahead and, you know, reach somebody who's probably had people brought in front of him, Hey, I got this cousin that can really sing. You imagine it at his stage in his career where he's, he's reached the level of somebody who's done, who's reached the highest of highs in the business. You, you get that air that this guy is world famous been all over the place everybody knows who this guy is and has had everybody and their brother say hey my sister can sing you need to listen to this and has probably gone ahead and done you know a lot of times say yeah yeah sure you know and sat through a lot of things that were not so great at least that's the impression i got
1: and and those bring about different tears (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) probably have you had that effect has that happened to you where you just listen to somebody's voice it's so beautiful you start crying
0: you know me and and my love of Amy Winehouse stuff. Oh, Especially, for sure. You know, not to get off too much, but you watch the documentary Amy, and then you listen to her music again, and and you can just you can just tell that all that stuff is just real. It's not.
1: When when it comes to to Amy, my introduction to Amy, I knew a couple of her songs, and it's similar to Lady Gaga. I i I like film and so i watch documentaries i watch these things my introduction to amy winehouse in a dive was amy the documentary oh, okay was, so that was the first time i like saw her whole spectrum and the, the the way that she sung and the heart that she put into it and ended up dying because of it mm-hmm. uh, of the emotions but the, the same the similar thing with lady gaga is that I, I saw the trailer for A Star is Born and I wanted to prep for it. I didn't know much about Lady Gaga. So in prep for it, I watched Lady Gaga, Five Foot Two, and watched that.
0: Netflix documentary.
1: Oh, it, it, it was incredible. And at in the beginning, they talk about, I just got greenlit to be doing A Star is Born. Yep. And I was like, oh, I know that movie. So I was like, that's, that's going to be great. So that was the introduction and how I fell and... and a deep love for Lady Gaga and who she is Mm -hmm. and the the voice that she has.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The thing about Gaga is, especially if you go ahead and look back, once she became mainstream, you wonder how much, and she says as much in one of the interviews about the film, and it might have been on the last day of shooting or something, you'd you'd sent me a clip of it in a TikTok video Mm -hmm. where she was talking about, I was Ali. And so... You wonder if you look, especially at the really beginning when she really hit big, how much had she heard that, yeah, you know, you sound great, but you don't look so good. You look yeah. back at especially the really, really early Gaga stuff. And I mm-hmm. don't know if I could have recognized her walking down the street. Yeah, because of
1: all of the stuff that she's wearing. Yeah.
0: The makeup and the, yeah. the costumes, you know, it's like she did. And I don't know this to be true, but it, it had the feeling of I've heard this so much that I'm going to go ahead And and take what I look like out of the out of the equation, you know, because her outfits draw so much attention, her hair color, you know, that type of stuff, Uh, just real heavy makeup.
1: And that's what it is. That that's the glitz and the glam that she she has obviously had the voice. She was trying to be an an actor and was in Sopranos when she was fifteen, as as a high schooler. So she she had these everybody well no one questions that she has talent that's always the thing so she took the looks and she went way over the top and be like all right this is what you guys want i'm going to show how ridiculous this is and goes over the top with everything
0: yeah maybe wears it as a certain kind of armor
1: yeah absolutely that's a, that's her uniform that's her putting it on and and clocking in like jackson was doing with his drugs is like, all right, this is how I'm getting ready to go out there and perform and do my job.
0: When you're introduced to her, it it struck me that, you know, that there's quote unquote, no makeup. Obviously there's, there's the movie makeup that they're putting on, you know, but, but as far as, you know, all the, the, the wild color eyeshadows and all all the, the pink hair and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. She pretty much has the same appearance through three quarters of the movie. And she does hit it big later in the movie. You know, we have the orange hair.
1: And that was what was different about Jackson. When he sees her all done up like this, he wants to see her for who she is. Right. And and that he tries to take that stuff off immediately with the eyebrow and the hair. And he's like, mm-hmm. well, I'd like to see that. Now I'm willing to wait to see who you really are. Um,
0: it seems like in that moment, you know, she's, she's got this guy. This guy shows an interest in her and she's afraid to go ahead and take off this stuff. Oh, yeah. For fear yeah. of probably having some kind of reaction like, oh, right, okay. But it's, uh, Jackson has I, his... I love your nose. Yeah, I've been
1: staring at it all night. Yep. Can cannot touch it?
0: <laughs> yeah. She goes ahead and, and allows him to take off the eyebrow. She tries to come up with all these excuses about why she can't go out for a drink. Well, at that moment, you don't really know why until later on when they're in the cop bar. Mm -hmm. And then she explains about how everybody says you sing good, but you don't look so good. And so that's where he's talking to her about that. You see that kind of like uh, he gives her a speech in there, not a speech, but they have a discussion. He brings up about how, you know, everybody has a talent. And so he's given things from his perspective. You have the, yeah, the drunk off-duty cops come up and, and kind of, that's where you see, I think, for the first time, some of the, the attitude of Allie. You know mm-hmm. he's got kind of that New Jersey esque attitude. Slugs that cop right in the face when he kind of pushes her and whatnot. And so they even end up going to the grocery store. Frozen peas, great scene. Yeah, and they end up sitting in the uh, the parking lot of the grocery store.
1: But well, they also established something in that where the guy wanted to take a picture of of Jackson Maine, and that's also something where that's not who he is. He's not that um guy that's sleeping with his ex-wife because they look alike, right? Mm-hmm. And then when they're in the grocery store and that girl takes a picture, it's like he can't just have a regular time. He's he's always perceived as this person that everybody wants to be a part of and taking a picture of. And she's defending that because he's more than that. So they're both defending each other for who they really are.
0: Right, going back to what you were saying your real life and your situation out there in L.A. You're not the guy pulling the camera out to take a picture of somebody famous walking down the street,
1: right? Right. I'm definitely not that person. So
0: <laughs> he's used to it, and he just plays along with it. Tells the lady taking the picture, it goes, "It's fine," and they're walking out. And yeah. and Allie tells her, "It it's not fine."
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, uh, "She'll hit you." Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, great scene. Again, you know, establishing a lot of the the characters and whatnot. You get some humor Dude, in it's, there.
1: It, it's so hard not to just talk about like every
0: scene. I know. And just I know. Well, <laughs> it yeah. Well, I keep I, I try to jump ahead and then I jump back because it's it it really is a great film. And yeah. so we end up in the parking lot. And we he wants to know more about Allie. He asked her if he, she writes her her own songs and. She tells him she doesn't sing her own songs, and then it gets into why. And then she says, you sound good, you don't look so good. And he tells her that that's basically just something that she's hiding behind instead of... Which is powerful.
1: She hasn't heard that before.
0: Right, right. So right then she's working on a song, does a little bit of it for him, and ends up kind of writing some on the spot. You know, he's blown away by it as if she writes it. Fast forward a little bit to uh, him dropping her off at home as she's getting out of the car and walking up.
1: Yeah, and she's going back to like uh, um her reality, but before she does that, Jackson stops her for this like iconic moment that really sums up so many like love stories and he just stopped her so he could take another look of her. Right. And says that to her and then she does that thing where she rolls over her nose just like he had done before, so that's like a bond that's called cementing Something. So this, this night is forever going to be in each other's lives, whether they see each other or they don't, based off of just one action like that. And they'll always remember somebody based off of that.
0: The part of that that's so important is that he takes something that he knows that she's self-conscious about, the her looks, and he doesn't ask to hear her sing something, which... You know, she's heard people probably her whole life say, sing something for me. But he takes that weakness that what she perceives as a weakness and makes it a strength. He doesn't want to hear her. He wants to see her.
1: That's a great point.
0: It's really powerful, again, without hardly any dialogue and just the the visuals that you go ahead and and are able to capture and everything you can kind of fill in there. She heads in the house. Again, like you said, it's kind of almost waking up from a dream type of thing. She goes home. She gets home. Her dad, who is part of slash runs a limousine service mm-hmm. uh, and driver, he's got some of his uh coworkers and friends, they're getting ready to start their day. So they've got their coffee and they're watching the news and whatnot, talking about horse racing and things like that. And she walks in and immediately it's, holy shit, I got to take care of all this stuff. You know, look at the mess you guys made. We get an introduction to her dad and her dad is somebody who loves her very much you know, has has probably uh, endorsed her her music, or her love of it, because it was something he loved, singing and whatnot. Maybe that's where she got it from. But you, you hear a comment about him, you know, bringing the piano up and down the stairs, uh, mm-hmm. over the years. So probably backed her up that way. But at the same time, is a type of guy that wants to go ahead and and let it be known that you know, hey, I could sing.
1: But yeah, that that's exactly what it is. I mean, he's he's telling the the, the things that he did in his past and. He sang to uh, Paul Anker at one point, and he said that he had a better voice than Sinatra. But he, he, the thing is, he's still in that same spot that Ali is, and he never did anything about it.
0: That's powerful. That is. He, he had probably been doing that job for 40 years. Yeah. History
1: is doomed to repeat itself. So if if he's still doing this and talking about that, then she is going to continue to do that mm-hmm. if she doesn't do anything about it.
0: I felt that she wasn't living at home because she couldn't afford to move out. She just felt a responsibility to take care of her dad and do all this stuff. Plus, it also kept her safe from a standpoint of... Absolutely. She never did take that jump and could always somehow rely on that as a... Well, I got to take care of my dad.
1: Yeah. How many many of us do that? We all do that shit. We all have our different talents and we all have those crutches or those excuses that we use.
0: You get the feeling that maybe 10 years ago, when she was maybe trying to pursue things and started hearing about her nose or her looks, that these producers, you imagine that she probably met with some record companies at at some point, and she started hearing that. So maybe she went to a few auditions, and every time she heard that, it was one less audition that she was going to go to after that,
2: Mm -hmm. you know,
0: and just kind of built up this wall of what's the point. I'm going to keep hearing the same thing. And then kind of just retreated back to what, what was safe. And so that's kind of the, what Jackson is eventually going to try and chip away at to let her Mm -hmm. know that she is so much more than what she's trapped herself in. So she ends up going back to work that night earlier that day, the Jackson's driver comes back, wants to pick her up, take her to a concert.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and she's like I can't I got
0: to work. And he's like, "Well, can't leave. I'll be out here waiting." She goes to work. That night her boss just really pushes her one one time too far and she quits. Yep. And decides that she's going to go ahead and go to that concert. So Yeah, she, why not? She and her friend leave work, head out, get the whole uh eye-opening experience of the SUV, the private plane, fly out there. She's just going to watch. She gets out to the show. He's got her being brought to a side stage to watch the show. And mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's got a big concern this whole time is, is she here? Is she here? Right. His head isn't, you know, I mean, he, he, by all accounts and we don't know, but by all accounts gives a good performance, but his head is, is she here? He was he just, the only thing he wants to know is she going to show up, she gets up there and he sees her comes over. And this is a pivotal moment in the movie.
1: Oh, it's so good.
0: So he sees her. comes over.
1: Yeah, he he comes over and sees her and grabs her. Well, talks to her first. He's like, hey, "I'm going to sing this song, regardless. Uh, you need to come up here and show. This is your song. You need to show these people what this song means to you and sing it, uh, because it's your words and it's your heart, your emotions." And she takes and takes her moment. He walks away to the mic and he's. And this is this is what she's wanted. For all these years, and it's right there.
0: But she hesitates. She's scared. She's scared and she hesitates. Sure. And she's yes. like, no, 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 no. I don't want to do, you know, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. And so you he... see, you see everything up in her life up to that point, And it's that wall. It is. That she's scared of. Yes. People are going to see me and they're not going to like me. Mm-hmm. And He's he's taken a wrecking ball to that wall at that point. Yeah. And he's knocking that wall down for her. He has a crowd out there. That is going to react in a positive way to her no matter what because he's going to be there with her,
1: and and he brings up the word trust. You yeah. have to trust me. Yep. And that that is another bond in that relationship. It's mm-hmm. like I'm I'm going to trust this guy. I'd like this guy. He believes in me mm-hmm. for for the reasons that no one else has believed in me. Right. So why would he do something that's going to hurt me? This is going to do nothing but be good for me. Yeah. But it's scary and to oh, have yeah. somebody like that. Offering their hand to walk you through this this uh, unknown world that you haven't experienced yet, even though you want to experience it, you don't know how to experience it. And this guy has been through that, and he's asking you to come along with him.
0: Right. And the camera work on her, you can just see so much in you know how scared she is to where, her, and then it switched to like resolve of like I'm going to do this. And she takes a breath, and then she steps out on stage. And goes out there, and you can just kind of see she's... Takes a shot. Oh, yeah.
1: she (laughs) Fight those nerves, for sure.
0: And she gets out there, and slays the performance. Goes and Mm. sings a song, Shallow, which, 2018, one of the biggest songs of 2018, going into 19, when the soundtrack hit. Uh, Just a phenomenal song. Then there's kind of like, you know, the afterglow of the performance. She ends up going back home. Her dad and his friends the next morning, they're watching this on YouTube, trying to, you know process what they're seeing you know and so he makes a comment how he's probably 200 of the views that this this video has and they're trying to talk about algorithms and how it works and all this kind of stuff so you could just see Mm -hmm. his pride and her just going through the roof at, at that point this is your second and final spoiler alert please skip ahead to one hour 49 minutes and 43 seconds to avoid spoiling the end of the movie. One of the things I wanted to mention was how efficiently this part of the movie's gone and how we know a lot about these characters in a short amount of time. Yeah, this is great time.
1: pacing um, and, and, and meeting people and pacing it along, both of them telling their story. So the... The editing that they're doing and going back and forth was a great balance uh, for us to not just see one person's side of it or perspective of it because you're getting sprinkled in there with Sam Elliott and his brother and how their relationship is but it's just like a sprinkling just like we're getting a sprinkling of Lady Gaga's personal life and how those things are everybody's dealing with some issues and these are just a little bit of them and we keep going further and further in as we trust them just like Allie trusted jackson when diving into the deep end we're we're diving in we're in the shallow right now trying to learn about them
0: right and i think at this point we we've, we've got a good idea of who they are and and where they are in their lives
1: yeah and those those are usually more interesting and those are the hooks right that's that's how you get in there it's like oh, okay i see where they're coming from and this gets into the place where I don't know how much you've watched like storytellers or we've seen downfalls of a lot of different musicians where, oh, they had a bad producer and they didn't make any money and then drugs came in. We've seen this time and time and time again. That's why this is the fourth, uh, fourth variation of this story in Hollywood itself and making a movies because every generation, it's the same story where they rise up to fame, they get addicted to drugs and, and fame and money and that doesn't matter to them. And then they lose it all or they don't. And they continue on.
0: And his continuing on up until this, this point we just saw Allie on stage with him had seemed to be possibly just going through the motions Uh, He didn't expect to meet her, didn't expect to fall in love, and it, you know, roped in with the alcoholism and the drug addiction. He now has someone who he is attracted to all of. Allie is probably what he's been looking for but didn't know Mm -hmm. was out there. Mm -hmm. She is in many ways uh, an equal to him.
1: Yeah, that's why it's such a good uh, romantic story is just because we we all want that and seek out other people finding that. And we try to emulate that in our real life as well. Um, But for for that to happen, it's it's something that's never happened to him before. And so mm-hmm. he's he's had the numbing of the drugs and and the musicians. So he's getting the fame, he's got the money, he's got the celebrity. But what does that really mean to him? Nothing if he doesn't have someone to love. And he's finding somebody that he can put this newfound emotion and feeling into that he didn't experience before because his father died when he was young. His mother died in birth. So he never got that mother's love and that affection And so he was kind of hardened throughout his life. And this is somebody that he can, it can be vulnerable with that he had never been able to be be before.
0: What is it about Allie? Do you think that, that makes her so attractive to Jack, obviously being a world famous rock star, he has probably Mm -hmm. had his share of maybe high profile relationships. Yeah. Um, with Allie, you know, you can just tell, even though you don't know anything about his prior relationships, that there's something different. Is it, do you think it's her songwriting ability? Do you think it's the fact that she quite honestly turned him down before? When he invited her to the concert and she wasn't going to go.
1: Uh, I was just going to say, and that's that's what makes Allie different, is that she actually challenges him in a way that he hasn't been challenged Uh, from somebody that he's also attracted to and falling in love with so that challenge um, i know you've been married for quite some time but uh, when the the person that i i spend more time with are people that will challenge us they're on a a similar level but it takes a person to uh, combat what you're used to and rise you up from that and i think that's something that ali is doing he's and and Sam Elliott brings that up and says he's he hasn't played like that in a long time and so he's trying to be his best he's, he's bettering himself he wants to be his best him around her right and so she is rising him up and challenging him to be to be somebody better than he has been comfortable with for a long time
0: so now we get to the point where Jackson is uh, ally becomes kind of a regular on his tour. You know, she's doing songs with him, doing parts of his set. The crowd's responding really well and she seems to be a favorite out there. So with that, you know, you have a lot of I'm assuming a lot more YouTube videos, a lot more notoriety. And people want to know about her. They want to know where she comes from, who she is. They're they're really transfixed by her it seems. So, after one show, they're headed back to the bus and they run into Rez Gavron, who By what we can tell um he's a big time uh producer
1: yeah so they run into to him and he he's introduced and he's a a producer that's done something with a lot of different people's careers apparently known yeah he ali knows who he is but Mm -hmm. didn't know didn't recognize him for his probably the name Uh, yeah just name basis only Mm -hmm. and um, I'm just thinking of this now, but that's almost like a, a Faust-like proposal where, you know, I'll, I'll give you all your riches if you want. It's just going to cost you your soul. Just sign here kind of thing where uh, he he's he's saying the good things to Allie and whispering in her ear and trying to pull her away and trying to offer, I offer all these things and it's just going to take your integrity because I'm going to put this different face on you and kind of make you do dances up there when that's not what you're about and kind of costs her integrity. And I'm going a little ahead, but that's, but pulling, there's a literal shot of Jackson is walking forward and walking towards the bus. And he comes up and it pulls her away from Jackson, who is the pure, who is the, the innocence that's trying to keep her and her love and there is this other offer that's going to take her away, but is going to cost her soul when it comes to music.
0: Right. And w- one of the things that, that she says there to him is, I gotta talk to Jack. You yeah. Know? So she yeah. she doesn't um you know, doesn't say, Yeah, that's great, let's do this. She has a real admiration for where Jack is in his career, in, in the business. You know, he mm. knows he knows these things, as far as you know what the business is like and whatnot. But at the same time, and I think even though Jack knows all this, he also knows. I don't get a real sense at this at this point in the movie where he's thinking that he's ever just going to keep her as a duet partner on his shows. I think he still. Yeah, I never got that feeling. Right, you're he, right. You know, he doesn't try to go ahead and dissuade her. From embarking out on her own. As a matter of fact, I think he tells her, do you hear yourself right now? You know, what, you know, what you're saying, people want to hear what you have to say. I'm paraphrasing, but that's, that's it. So in, in, in a way, you know, he does end up encouraging her to go ahead and, and do her own thing. And as you were saying, it does become, you see kind of that trope of, okay, we are going to. We're going to take your music, but we're going to go ahead and make your image as important as or more important than the music.
1: Absolutely. So, you know,
0: as you mentioned, what what's one of the one of the things they do? Well, they go ahead and they cut the album and then immediately start to change her look. And it's it's as jarring for me as it was at the beginning of the movie, seeing her with her naturally uh, brown hair. I looked and I can't really find anything that shows Lady Gaga looking Like she did Uh at the beginning of the movie until like high school photos and things like that. But you've accepted Uh Allie's look and then it it really hits you in the face when the photo shoot and the orange hair and the billboard. And as you mentioned, the dancers, you know, that's that's not what she is behind the scenes. That's what that's all that
1: glitz and glam. Exactly. That's all that makeup, all those things that she doesn't want to be. And this, this is the cost of. Well, according to this producer, this is the cost of that. It's like you have these fans out there, and it's going to get you more fans if you basically look better,
0: right? And as we've talked on other subjects before, you know, it's money. Everything is is money, right? The producer wants yeah, to that sell more records, down to that for sure.
1: Yeah, the yep. the
0: producer wants to make sure she sells records, and so they have a what i perceive to be a machine behind the scenes that says okay we're going to do this and we're going to make as i mentioned earlier image mm-hmm. uh look and sexuality as important as the music we want to sell the music but we want to go ahead and sell the image we want to go ahead and you know make it appeal to as many people as possible and i imagine too they never explicitly get into the age difference of jackson and Ally, but it's a decent age difference.
1: Yeah, I'd say ten, fifteen years, honestly.
0: Yeah, Jackson's crowd is probably not the crowd that they want to go ahead and target.
1: Yeah, uh, well, there was a mention. There was a mention, and he's like country, a uh, country rock star. Mm-hmm. It seems like, mm-hmm. um, or on that edge, and she's trying to get into the pop aspect of it. So they're hitting the different demographics mm-hmm. uh, almost like a Taylor Swift where she started off with country and then got into the pop and all based off of like her looks for a lot mm-hmm. of part and now she's scaling it back right now. So we have these examples throughout history of those rises and then those strip backs because mm-hmm. they they want to be themselves, they're more themselves than anything.
0: What's interesting is that In this story, she starts from a a place where it's it's a lot more simple. She's a lot more who she is at the beginning of the story. So stripped back at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then throughout the course of the story, as her popularity increases, she becomes something that isn't necessarily what she started out as. And in that process, she has her fame start to eclipse maybe what Jax is at that point. And you uh, got to sure. ask the question, what does that do to a relationship?
1: Yeah, it's almost like um if we're getting into the different relationships, it's almost like she's outgrowing where he he saw her starting at. And so she's it's 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 like that metaphor that talks about how um um you you push somebody off the cliff and you build your wings as you're going down right and so she's getting to that point where she's got her wings now she's building her wings up and she's flying but she doesn't know how to fly and Jackson is seeing this and he's like well I'm I'm losing her and he goes down that spiral of the drugs and the alcohol which is a way that he comforts himself and and fights that fear and that pain
0: yeah, case in point to that would be the part where um, Jackson says he has this thing to do in Memphis and wants her to come along, and mm. she's like, "I can't. I've got to." You know, Rez wants me to stay back, and I've got to you know, work on my album. And that's that's the first time that you see them really apart or going to be apart since uh, she started hitting the road with him.
1: Yeah, that's right. And
0: yeah. so I felt at that point, and while Jackson still wanted her there, he didn't go down the road of, oh, you know, you don't love me anymore or anything like that. It's like, oh, no, good, good, that's great, you know? And I, I think there's a part of him that really means that, mm-hmm. and but there's also a part of him that's kind of hurt by the fact that she's not going to be there, and maybe worried, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worried that the producer is coming between them because it's it's not like she had an event this is just like concentrating on uh, uh an album or something so this is more of uh that producer just putting that wedge between them and he's seeing that but he's also uh, thinking that she, he's got to trust her to be able to make her own decision she's going to make her own decision she's gonna and she's going to come out on the right side but but he's losing a little of that dependency on her to keep him feeling good and and not using any of the drugs. And we see that it continues to, to go down the wrong path when they're when they're split up. They're I don't know, they're just not beneficial right uh, to be apart.
0: Yeah, they're they're more uncertain of each other. You know, yes. not n- not she's more uncertain of him, but in in their own in their own self. There's more uncertainty. Yeah. They're stronger together. Does that make sense? Like, that
1: totally makes sense.
0: The fear that Jackson may have, as much as it is Rez getting in between them, it's, I think, a fear that he's worried of what he does when she's not around. Mm-hmm. That he's not able to control things when she's yeah. not around. And you see it.
1: And the, you see it, absolutely. You see the drugs come in, and it gets worse and worse, and it keeps going down. That same way. But when when she's around, she is that addiction that he doesn't need other things with. Right. It's a lot
0: more in check. So he goes to Memphis and he does his show, which, you know, I mean, is it's no accident in the story is that it happens to be a private event at what looks like maybe a pharmaceutical company trade show or a live event, you know, probably with the yeah, CEO, end of the year type of, yeah, convention, you know, and yeah. he's hired in to do that, which is really sells it from a, a story point, again, reinforcing, you know, the Yeah, the come to Memphis.
1: We, we got this convention. Hundreds of other pharmaceuticals are going to be here. We have Jackson, Maine going to be here.
0: Right. We're going to, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars. It's just going to be, you know, 1500 people. And, you know, you could tell it's not something he wants to do.
1: It's he a paycheck, doesn't want to be there
0: but he's going to go and do it because it has to. It's not something he's excited. He goes and does that and gets really screwed up. She's not yeah. around.
1: He puts that uniform back on. It's right? just a gig. It's just a job.
0: And and we meet one of his one of his old friends who uh played with him years back played by Dave Chappelle. Noodles. Yeah. And <laughs> uh after that we we find Jack literally passed out in the bushes in his uh in his front yard. And that's where you yeah, find him. Yeah, in front yard. Exactly. So we find out that at some point, Allie can't get a hold of him.
1: She's definitely worried about him.
0: She's worried about him. And she ends up, they don't go into it, but she ends up finding him there in Memphis and shows mm-hmm. up. And he's still really bad off from the night before, really hung over. And one of the strengthening of, of Allie and kind of the 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 fraying in, in the relationship at that point is is right in that scene to where, you know, she tells him, you know, I'm not going to come for you again.
1: Yeah, that's it.
0: It's kind of a wake-up call to Jack because you up to that point, you never really saw Allie stand up against him.
1: she She put up with it, right?
0: Right. And now she's, you know, I don't think it's that she's mad as much as she's scared. And she's like, I'm not going to, it said to me that I'm not going to watch you do this to yourself.
1: Yeah. We, I mean, we see that in, in, in a lot of different like movies or mm-hmm. or music where um, a person loves them so much and they don't want them to hurt themselves. And they can't control and, it. But they can't be a part of it. It was like, if you, I just came into your life. I, I, I love you. You see that I love you. But what you're doing right now is taking that love away. Yeah, and so if you want to continue down this road, I'm not going to be a part of it.
0: Right, I can't. I can't watch this happen. No. So there's a loss of control there that that it's very hard for her to deal with, and I think at that point, I think it it wakes Jack up when she says that.
1: And there's also that balance that you were talking about as well. I mean, she's seeing that she can stand on her own, and she didn't see that before. So he got her that confidence that well, yeah, you can do this, and you're doing this. And she's starting to see that with, with him. There's like, okay, I can do this on on my own. I love him, but I can still do this. So I have the confidence to do it. So mm-hmm. if you want to do this and, then, and kill yourself doing this, then... I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm not right. going to add to it. I'm not going to yep. help you do that.
0: Yep. We see a little bit of a kind of a, a reckoning almost of where their relationship, you know, Jack really takes to what, what she says to heart. And they have just this part of the story to where there's none of the, there's none of the fame, and whatnot yeah. impacting. They're just two people, and, uh, who who are in love, and Jack ends up proposing to her, on the spot. And and the reason it yeah. sells so well is that it's just like, you know, one of those spur of the moment things. Is he hasn't planned for it. He doesn't have mm-hmm. a ring. He doesn't have any of that. It's just he fashions an engagement ring out of a guitar string.
1: Yeah, that's totally cool. And then, and Chappelle comes in there and he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I want to do this thing. And, and it's, it's helpful that Chappelle and his family, he sees that Chappelle used to be his friend, used to tour with him. And when Chappelle got out of that, he's looking at his family, he's got kids and he's got this nice home. He's like, the, the Jackson is thinking this, this can be done. This can be us. And I want this. And so to solidify what he wants in the future, he sees that in the home that Chappelle has has built for himself with his wife and his kid.
0: That's, a, that's an excellent point, because you do get that from Noodles, that yeah. he was in going down that road that Jackson's currently still on.
1: Yeah, he's the success, the success story.
0: Right. And he gave all that other stuff up to go ahead and have the family, to get clean, to go ahead and, and settle down, and, and is still making music. But doesn't yeah. need it on that that huge level that mm-hmm. the huge self destructive level that Jack's still on, right? He got out. What did What did he tell him? He said he goes, "I've something to the effect of I've seen you like this, you know, before, but it's the first time I'm truly worried about you."
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's what the friendship and relationships are all about. You're seeing this guy that knew him before mm-hmm. everything and was in there and doing the drugs and. A part of that, and this guy escaped that that containment mm-hmm. that you think that well, I can't now because I'm too involved. Mm-hmm. I can't do this because I I I have all these obligations and these commitments. And Chappelle is the person that was able to get out and live a life that is a, a quality life that he doesn't need any of those things other than living off the love of the family.
0: So Jackson ends up he proposes to Allie there.
1: Mm-hmm. At the table, and and Chappelle, he's he's probably seen Jackson do outlandish things like this before, but he wants to solidify it. He's like, "Let's do this right now." Yep. He's like, "I know people. We get
0: married right now." Exactly. He sees how good Ally is for him, and he's Absolutely. like, "We need to do this because you need this." You know, we're not going to yeah. go ahead and do this and have it be something that an engagement that never happens, a marriage that never happens because of this, that, and the other thing. Let's do it right now. Let, let's yeah. make this official. And so you have a really good thing. Allie's on board, and they end up getting married in a small Memphis church. Yep. Have a fly-by-night uh, reception at a local bar. And yep. and Jake, the version, I know we were both doing uh, homework on the film. Yeah. Wh- which version of the film did you watch?
1: I, I watched the theatrical version. I didn't get the unedited uh okay. one.
0: So in the theatrical version, what happens at the reception? Does she sing?
1: No, that's that's not in that. Okay. Um, it's just it's a montage of uh, her song over it.
0: In the encore version, mm. she actually sits down at the piano and and sings. Is that all right? You know, it's a shame I don't understand and you could go ahead and and probably better explain this, but in the process of editing, pacing is is a big thing. Obviously, yeah. but when I watch Encore, that scene right there, for me, should have been in the in the film. It's it's about a two minute scene because they, okay. they they shave down that song uh, to like a, a verse verse and a half, I think, from what what it is on the soundtrack. Oh, it just it it's so it hits it hits me every time mm-hmm. I see that scene, and it's just like man, I wonder why that wasn't in there.
1: It's it's it comes down to Mostly runtime and it already had over two hour runtime I think it came in at like two fifteen um uh, so that's that's a very long time they the, the the golden time they want it within like a two hour window so they can turn out as many viewings a day in the theater as possible so getting it at two fifteen it already cuts that's one less showing that they can show every day by going to two fifteen so if they cut even further into that that might cut into just four times that they can run a show in the theater.
0: Once again, money.
1: What's that? Once again, money over the sake of art. That's exactly what it is. Um, And so I'm sure Bradley fought for that as a director to be able to keep that in there. And they probably said something, well, you could put it in the DVD version or another cut because that's just another uh, step that shows how much they love each other. Uh, right mm-hmm. and so there i'm sure the argument was we'll do a montage of the wedding that's showing love in itself right there so and and we have another scene at the end of them singing to each other right so i think that's where where it probably got lost in and was cut eventually because we've seen it's not furthering the plot and it's and it's already going to be done again later on in okay. the movie and it might have a bigger effect later which I think it has a huge effect when they, when they cross cut, uh, we'll get into that later. Okay.
0: All right. So they get married. Things seem to be going well at that point. Yeah. Exceedingly well. And then after the wedding, um, we continue seeing allies, you know, continued climb. Right. Of, of where she's going, her albums getting ready to drop. And we have the Saturday night live performance where, uh, Allie's on. It's a big deal. Saturday Night Live, national television, uh a big audience, Uh music spot. She's up there and she's singing one of her, what I'm going to say is one of her newer songs and Jack's watching from uh, uh, backstage. And at this point, Jack had had fired his brother earlier in the film due to the fact that, you know, he found out that the ranch where he grew up on uh and you know bought uh when his dad died and gave to his brother that his brother had basically sold the the ranch and and the spot where his dad was buried that came to a head, and he ended up uh laying out his brother or punching yeah, in just the face.
1: walked up and punched once he he found out that that had happened, but his brother had already told him about that, and he was like, you were all loaded up and yep. And that was uh, Sam uh, Sam Elliott, which I mean, he was nominated for a reason for best 100%. supporting actor. It was incredible, and it, it, it should be known that he quit there. So it was another way that Jackson just pushed someone away, and he chose like drugs over. And addiction over somebody that he loved, that was trying to take care of him. Right, and that it, we're we're seeing that same friction happening with Allie, where she loves him and wants to take care of him, and he's there's kind of pushing away right now,
0: happening. After uh, he pushed away his brother, Allie's all he's got left.
1: That's it. Yeah, and she and she's ascending right now. She's she's helium in a balloon and flying away
0: out of any control that he had, which I don't think control was always a big thing for him, but it was still a loss of control from the standpoint of being scared that he's going to lose her at some point because her star is going to be too big to handle even for him. Uh, So they have the, the Saturday Night Live performance. He runs into his brother backstage, who's there to go ahead and watch her perform as he's out on, on the road uh, touring or uh, managing the tour for Willie Nelson. And he mentions in there, and, There's
1: an interesting connection between that. Uh, yeah, the, Lucas Nelson. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah that's his uh, son. Go ahead.
1: Well, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but his son helped write a couple of songs and uh, actually worked on the the movie. And was was he in the band?
0: Yeah, the, his Lucas Nelson's band is Jack's band.
1: Oh yeah, that's yep. great. <laughs> so, uh,
0: yeah, that uh, that probably is no accident that the way that was written in there. But but he runs I don't into think his it was no not at all. <laughs> He runs into his brother back there and basically in a way that in Jack's own way, basically is like, you know, kind of wants him, wants to rehire him. And his brother's yeah. like, hey, you know, it's a lot easier without you. <laughs> you it know? Really, so, I'm
1: sure it would be.
0: Uh, yeah. Cause you, and you see earlier where his brother, you know, is like making sure that he gets into bed and, you know, picks him up off the floor type of stuff. He's probably done that throughout his whole professional life. And there was always a kind of a a, a sibling rivalry. You you also got that oh,
1: for sure. And I'm I'm sure that uh, I I keep wanting to call him Wade Garrett from Roadhouse. Yeah, Bobby. <laughs> so, <laughs> Bobby.
0: Bobby. Yep.
1: Yeah, when he he comes and and meets him up, it's it's almost like uh, making amends. So when mm-hmm. that that seems important because then then his brother is back in his life. So, you know, it, he he doesn't want to work for him. But there's no hard feelings. I still love you as a brother, kind of thing. So right. that that relationship uh, it, it shows that you know they're at least on talking terms again.
0: That brings us up to right right before the Grammys, and there's a pivotal scene where once again Jack is has been drinking and Allie's taking a bath, and then he walks into the bathroom.
1: Yeah, it's so uh, he comes into the bathroom. And they have a discussion, and this is more of um, him seeing her for who she is, and not the. I keep saying the glitz and glam, but that's what it is. It's it doing her up. It's it's putting her makeup on, putting a costume on, and this this song, her single that comes out, and talking about uh, uh, why are you coming around with an ass like that. Those are those are words that would never show up on a Jackson Maine song or uh, one of her songs this is the influence of somebody else to try to get her into a different realm of songwriting and it's not her it's not her soul
0: right and it's not what he what he loves about her
1: not at all he sees her for who she is and that's that's another thing
0: and i think also there's a little bit here of him not consciously doing it but subconsciously thinking of who she should be as a songwriter to who mm-hmm. he's used to as her being a songwriter there's obviously a part of Allie that doesn't just like the genre of music that jack does yeah there's a pop music side to her and that's what's coming out in that song to where that's it's true. it's not a bob dylan lyric but at the no. same time it's a lyric you're going to hear on probably 15 different pop songs at any given time something similar that's- you know, yeah, and, and worse true. these days, right? Yeah, <laughs> oh, I mean yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you get into some artists, I'm not gonna mention them because it's not fair. I mean, there's you know, art is subjective, you're gonna like it or you're not. So even songs that yeah. I don't like and don't agree with, mm-hmm. there are people that do.
1: And you respect the creative process. I mean, you're learning firsthand how that how all of this is done.
0: Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I can prefer some music to others and and not listen to it, but at the same standpoint, somebody's wanting to hear it. Yeah, and yeah. somebody—it's saying something to somebody, whatever that is. So, Jack just—he's—he's he's at the point now where he can't really control the type of music. You know, in his mind, it was always going to be his, his type of music because that's what served her best.
1: Mm-hmm. In his, and mind. that's what he fell in love with. I mean, he exactly fell in love with her songwriting. He saw firsthand how she comes up with songs and mm-hmm. melodies, and he's like, oh, "This is such a beautiful soul, and the way that she describes it." is a better way than than I know and most people in the world would be able to do. Mm -hmm. And so for her to say a lyric like that while you're coming around, that anybody could say it's so elementary.
0: Yes. To him, it's like You're better than that. You know, it's not worth that's not a lyric worthy of your talent. Yeah. He's upset by the fact that he probably sees it as a regression in her career and her songwriting ability, something like that. Like a waste of her time.
1: That's true because it's it's not just him saying that to her, but she, he sees the same thing in her that she sees in him. And so she turns it on him as, as like, you're, you're being messy right now. It's like you could be so much better as well. Mm-hmm. You need to get your shit together because yep. if you, you can't criticize me for saying something like this and not being mm-hmm. myself when I see the same thing in you.
0: Right. And she tells him, she's, he goes, he brings up that lyric and she's like, yeah, that's my song. You know, she takes offense at yep. it. And, and rightly so. Yeah. It was something she wants to say. He's already told, always told her that people want to hear what you have to say. Well, at mm-hmm. that point, that's what she had to say. And now he's questioning and, it.
1: And not just her, but uh, critically it's being, I mean, they're right. up for Grammys. So right. it's not just, not just uh, saying something to be popular, but people are loving it.
0: Yeah. So what follows is it's a painful part in the movie because these two, you, you get how much they love each other. Yeah. And then to go ahead and like, this is your parents arguing when you're a kid to a point to where you just want to disappear into another part of the house.
1: Oh yeah. You know, you I, don't
0: want to be You don't want to hear any of this. It's a raw argument. They go at each other. What they, they perceive and, as each other's flaws and it's all driven by his alcoholism. His yeah. addiction. And, that, and that's what
1: arguments are with people that we love and we are vulnerable to we show them the the nerves. We show them the buttons that upset us more than anything. And then when we're upset with that person, we know exactly where to hit them. Yep. And that's what he did by calling her ugly. Yep. Oh, something
0: man, he that. would have never said. Never have said. Yep. And that that there was nothing nothing worse he could have said to her.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, th- and that's that, why he said it.
0: So he calls her ugly, and she's just you know she throws him out and it's oh, kind yeah, of out. yeah and and so it's one of the more um emotionally charged moments in the movie
1: yeah i love this movie and i i see it i've seen it multiple times as well and those those are the ones that i'm almost like want to skip by after seeing it that first time in the theater you know what it is you know what's coming and i i don't want to see that
0: jack sobers up and he ends up going to the dance studio where they're doing co- choreography for her. probably a uh, a Grammy performance, which we don't really see any of her performing at the Grammys. But you know, being nominated for that, there's a good chance that she performed at the Grammys. Yeah, so doing
1: some rehearsal, some mm-hmm. dance rehearsals.
0: Right. So Jack walks in and he's sobered up. He makes an apology and realizes he was pretty off base with the yeah. way he treated her in that scene and and she tells him that that he hurt her. You can see it in his reaction that he knows he did and it it's like the last thing he, he would want to do is mm-hmm. hurt her. It's it's really the the two sides of the same coin with alcoholism and addiction on one side and the person you are on the other side. You know, you get a real sense of that dichotomy that's going on, kind of that that infighting amongst somebody who struggles with addiction um Mm -hmm. you know and and then the point too where you know there's there's times where i'm sure he doesn't even know what he's doing it's not an excuse i mean it's just you know where you just don't even know what you did and, and what you said although he he knew that he said some stuff and so they as much as you can in that type of you know time frame patch things up
1: yeah yeah trying to patch things up would be tough uh to do but uh, but, like you said, when you, it hurt her, and that's what we do with the people that we love we we hurt, and we the cut that cut is deep and uh and and for her to try to heal from that, I mean, you can only keep cutting something so many times and it stops healing from that, so mm-hmm. this apology is an important apology. But uh, um, she she sees that the the pattern is continuing. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's scar tissue, right, with a cut for sure. You end up yep. with that. Then we get to the Grammys. Where do we go from there?
1: Her career is going even further beyond what he has had, and so that and she's getting torn apart and pulled away from Jackson even more, and so he's finding that that comfort. He's falling back into that, and then then it comes to um, like a, almost like a peak when she wins the grammy and and during that same thing he is getting demoted he was supposed to sing for Roy Orbison tribute and he got demoted so he's going down the wrong way yep. and to and a way to appease that for himself he is taking those drugs and doesn't realize what he's doing as more she's than, that, more that than star ever. is going higher yep. yeah
0: His star is falling while hers is rising. Absolutely. So, yeah, you mentioned it, that she ends up winning the Best New Artist Grammy, probably a couple more that night. Yeah. And Jack is relegated to, and it's done really well in that that tribute with other stars doing that tribute to Roy Orbison. He's in the background. Yeah. And just that that setup right there goes ahead and, and shows exactly the same thing as to when he brought Ali on stage, he's the big star she comes up and she's a supporting cast. You know, her star now it's her night. And not only her night, and not only is it her night, but he's being pushed into the background.
1: They do this great thing during that, uh, that whole scene. And it's, it's called a red herring. And so when you, you see the path that Jackson is going on. All right. And you're like, oh man, he's going to do something embarrassing. Right. And so, when they, when they put the lights on and they start singing Pretty Woman and he's supposed to play the guitar, right? And so you think that there's gonna be like an embarrassing moment and then he does that initial riff and it's like burner and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, he's okay, he didn't it, do He stepped so back you, into it. Yeah, yeah. you totally feel like you're saved. Okay, he didn't embarrass himself and this is Ally's night and then you put that to the back burner and then when she goes up there to accept her award, now here comes the embarrassing thing that you didn't expect. And he gets up there and he he pisses his pants and embarrasses her while this is supposed to be her night. And it, it just brings more animosity and friction between them and her father. Yeah. He's pissed off about that as right. well. You can speak to that.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's finally, her dad's living vicariously through her at this point.
1: Yeah, he thinks that he could have had all that success before, and he didn't have the courage to do it.
0: Right. So now he's seen that her do it, and you know it's her night. And you know there was a scene beforehand. They're at they're at Jack and Allie's house talking to Jack about you know things seem to be going well between him and Jack. And he's like, you know, man, that's an right. impressive collection yeah, of yeah. vinyl you have there. And Jack tells him, take whatever you want; it's yours. You know. And so you know, it kind of builds that relationship that they've got a good relationship. Yeah.
1: He don't. Yeah, know they've he's got done. a good relationship
0: between the two of them. <laughs> And so, you know, a little later there, yeah. when, when Jack goes up there and embarrasses Allie, it's her dad and his friend that is going, hauling him off to the shower. He's pissed. You know, how could you do this to my daughter?
1: Yeah, that's that's why I say it. you can speak to that as, as a father.
0: Yeah. How could you do that to my daughter? Yeah. You know, and he wants, I mean, he just wants to beat him into tomorrow. Yeah. It would be real easy and probably understood, but kind of a, pitfall of screenwriting to go ahead and have Allie mad about it because she's more concerned about him yeah
1: it would be um and she she's concerned i mean as mm-hmm. as a loving partner would be um and so if they were like that non-true love that would be the moment they're like oh we call it split that he did this and i'm and i'm out i can't be a part of that
0: yeah and in a different scriptwriter's hands maybe that's Allie saying how could you do this to me
1: Yes, and that and that shows like singularity. It's it instead of like a couple and a relationship that you're trying to work on something together, and show that would show individualism rather than a, a team and a couple and a relationship.
0: Right, and it's it's dialed up by the fact that that's arguably music's biggest night, but yeah, the yeah. biggest night of her life.
1: That's raising the stakes. The stakes are the highest they can be.
0: Right, and that happens, and and she doesn't go ahead and get mad. I mean she probably there's there's anger in there somewhere but there's more concern.
1: Concern and frustration.
0: Exactly. So it's after that that you go ahead and 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 see that Jack that he needs help. Jack goes to rehab and he finally admits that he's got problem he admits to being an alcoholic and a drug addict. You know, that's as it would be in real life a real big step for anybody but it, you know it feels like you've you've followed this character so far you know three quarters of the movie and it's the only time he's really you know come to grips with it after it's gotten completely out of control
1: yeah i think that has something to do with his relationship with ali um he didn't have somebody like that that he cared about so much that he could uh, you know pass out blackout and it didn't matter he didn't no one was there and no one he really cared for other than a brother. The brother is going to accept you for whoever you are. But when you have somebody that you love for, uh, love, uh, in love with, then that relationship is now you want to be able to spend as much time with that person and appreciate that person. So he didn't care about his life before, but now she gives him something to live for, which he didn't have before.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um we go ahead and we see her on a visit to the rehab facility, and yeah. given context of what you see in the scene, you can place that about halfway through his rehab. Uh, he does make mention of being, you know, going to be home in three weeks, and they have a little conversation, and you know, Allie tells him she's like, you know, that that is if you're. Still coming home, and he's like, "Well, what do you mean? You know, why would, yeah. why would I not come home? Why would you say that?" And he's not mad; he's just really uh, just wondering where that's coming from. And she tells him, she says, "Well, you know, when when you met, when we met, you were drinking, and now you're not. So I just want to make sure you still want to come home. I still want to make you know, basically, do you, I, I still want to make sure that it wasn't the alcohol that made you want to be with me?"
1: And those are her insecurities coming back up.
0: That hits home for him, and he's like, "It it stings because she doesn't know she she wants to make sure that that he loves her for for her." He breaks down a bit and comments on the fact of some of those fears, but also apologizes for what happened at the Grammy Awards, and he apologizes to her and to her her dad for for what happens. And she tells him, she says it's not your fault. It's okay. It's, it's a disease.
1: Yeah. And that says something to, uh, the, the Jack's character is that he, he doesn't want anything with her and him to be hurt. And he is a genuine person. And he's generally loving her and for, for all the right reasons, uh, for who she is, not necessarily for, for who she, uh, puts the mask on for. Um, and, I think that says something about like his loyalty and he breaks down because he's going through some hard work. This is a hard rehab where you're away from everything. And when she says, if if you want to come home, it stings him because, well, what am I doing all this for if it's not to be with you? Because I was living my life just fine and I didn't give a shit about my life before that and you come along, and so now there is a reason for me to get better so I can have that and enjoy that time with somebody that I love.
0: It's not talked about, but you think maybe there's a little bit of, maybe she blames herself for some of his drinking? Do you think that maybe, and she's worried that maybe the the volatility of their relationship might be too much and maybe a relapse? I don't know. It's not talked about, and it does seem to stem more from an insecurity from her standpoint, but you know, you just don't know. In a, in a relationship yeah. like that, because um, she's seen uh, the best and worst of him, and and when before you know somebody, you know how do you know what they were before you met them, right? Is this just yeah. normal, or is it, or is it, you know, is it part of part of you that's bringing some of this out? It's interesting to think about. I mean, the movie, this film is is very deep on a lot of different levels.
1: Mm-hmm. right I mean, psychologically yeah, for sure
0: i mean it it does it, it's it, there's times like you mentioned before there it's a tough watch in some spots
1: yeah
0: there's different parts that appeal to somebody i mean you really like the music is so well done and and all the talent that's on display when it gets into the more real human side of things when movies are done so well and hit you in those instances just because they're so great doesn't mean it's something that you go want to go ahead and re-experience you mentioned that in the one scene, not to say that a powerful scene can't be something that you only want to see once, I guess.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it could be a reflection on myself where, where I'm watching this and I'm seeing the emotions that are coming from it, even though I know behind the scenes and there's a, these are all broken up. This isn't happening in real life. I know that there's, they're working in front of a crew and these are all like montages and edits and everything that goes into that. And they're taking a break and then coming back to another scene, fixing lighting and all these things. I know all those things. And I have that in- insider information, but I'm still affected by this, this um, uh, piece of art that they put out there because it, it, it hits on a different level of emotion right so that's that's what's incredible about it is where you can suspend your your disbelief into the realities of everything else but then when you see the the human side the emotional side and when you see other people that are breaking down like him at the rehab and crying that's it, it's inhumane for you not to feel that on a on a similar level
0: not all of us have been to Uh, rehab so we don't relate to it on that level but you can go ahead and put yourself in a situation um, to where you've had to go ahead and face something that maybe was uncomfortable Yeah, and you can put yourself in that position
1: yeah that's what emotions are all about And, and feeling the emotions and empathy of somebody else that i've never been there but i can relate because i've i've dealt with some obstacles in my life that that these actors or these characters had, didn't have to deal with
0: we go from the rehab setting and then we we come to Allie talking to the uh, to rez in what appears to be a, you know his office and she is talking to him about you know wanting to bring jack on the road with her mm. rez is not happy with this
1: no that guy <laughs> oh man i'm not a fan of that guy at all
0: <laughs> no no he's he's well written though
1: yeah, I mean, he plays it well for me to not like him. I mean, the first time I saw Matt Damon was in School Ties, and I didn't oh. like him after that. Yeah, but I mean, then Goodwill Hunting kind of put me back on team Matt. <laughs> so it's a it's a testament to to him doing a good job of acting, right. And and putting that character in a way that was the villain of this whole film because of uh, what he comes in and what he portrays and what he tries to take away from what all of us as an audience is watching and hoping for.
0: I would imagine that he was probably put together from a lot of,
1: of different experiences. Yeah, I would think so for sure. And there's, there's mentioned a couple of different times, like things that were parallel to her career. Like we, we spoke about the burlesque and this, uh, this drag show that she was a part of and, and producers seeing her at that and using the same song with, with Bradley Cooper. And so there, there's, definitely some input that goes into this producer and some of these characters and shady characters. I call it just because they're, they're not looking this, this particular character is not looking for her best interest as a human being and human growth and artist, but rather as an artist that's trying to reach as many people as possible and make as much money as possible.
0: Yeah. And I, uh, another thing, you you know, getting deeper into this guy could be the fact of, uh, Again, when there's money in corporations, in in anything, but, you know, in entertainment, being honest, these entertainers, these actors, these singers, they have a shelf life of when they're really hot. Now they can, they can go on in their craft for a long time, but there's a window there to where they're going to put up the big numbers and the Mm -hmm. big sales, right? Mm -hmm. Allie in the movie, I'm not sure what they write her as, but she's definitely 30 ish, you know, Mm -hmm. give or take a year or two. Mm-hmm. To where you have, again, you mentioned Taylor Swift earlier, came up at 17, yeah. you know, when she got yeah, big. I mean, nice. it. it's, so that sweet window in for a pop star is probably early 20s, I'm yep. going to say. Yeah, you're right. You know, there's probably some of that in here too, to where this guy is like, hey, look, she's not getting any younger. Her appeal is not going to be around
1: mm-hmm. forever.
0: We need to move extra fast on this and we need this, to go ahead and, and push her go. right through, right through the machine to get what you we know. can out of her. So she mentions that she wants to go ahead and take Jack on tour. And Rez is saying, absolutely not. There's no way that's going to happen. He can't stand Jack. He sees him as a terrible influence, as a liability. And to some For point, sure. you know, he's not wrong. He's
1: not. It's going to detract from her star and, and put a little luster on her. And they want to keep it shining as bright as possible. And he is just uh, not helping in that at all.
0: So, Rez, as big of a douchebag as this guy is, is looking at it from a strictly career business, and yes. and saying this isn't good business.
1: And he's right. He, yeah, yeah, he's
0: he's right. But Allie, being a human being,
1: mm-hmm. unlike him,
0: right, her, her <laughs> love and devotion to Jack, and never forgetting, you know, that it was Jack that went ahead and gave her her big break, and she fell in love with this guy, and she knows. What she's saying in this scene without saying it is, if I I don't bring him with me, something bad's going to happen. He's going to relapse. Something bad. I, I want to I take care of him. I want to keep an eye on him.
1: Yep. Is basically
0: sure. what that scene is saying. And so Rez tells her, no, absolutely not. There's no way. And then Allie tells him, well, if you can't make that happen, then cancel the tour. I don't know what to tell you.
1: Yeah, good for her to do something like that, and that takes a lot because what we're talking, she's on the rise like that, and and to to take away from that, would be a huge blow to her career. But she's willing to sacrifice for the love of her life.
0: Yeah. Now this was going to be the European leg of her tour, I believe. That was some added worry for her with being not even in the same country.
1: Oh yeah. If That's he wasn't huge. with
0: her. So that's a pivotal scene. And the end of that scene, she breaks down and she cries because she knows what it's going to do to her career.
1: Mm -hmm. And she's doing that alone. Right. 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 He's in rehab. And so she's making this decision and she's stepping out on that limb in a way that she's never had to before.
0: We go to uh, Bobby taking Jack home from rehab.
1: Oh, man. That's a tough scene
0: they're driving and they're they're talking about basically their relationship is has been repaired to a certain point jack is talking to him about how they should have went out and um bobby makes a comment about how they'd look like a father and son duo uh yeah. due to the age <laughs> the age gap you know bobby having been um a good 25 30 years older than jack
1: yeah just a, a, a light-hearted conversation you know everything's okay we're not talking about the elephant in the room of you having you coming from rehab just thinking about the things that could have been and and having a light-hearted conversation
0: and you know throughout the movie and their scenes there there was always again that sibling friction bobby was fine where he was at in life yeah you know but jack totally jack would dig at him about how, you know, he never did anything more with his life he, that he didn't have the guts to go ahead and and move forward with pursuing a music career.
1: Yeah, he didn't have anything to say, right? Right,
0: that's what he told him. Biting comment. Oof, I mean, that was that. That's man. one of those cutters that you were talking about.
1: Man, the, the, to the ones that you love, right? Those are the deep ones that you cut the hardest. You know the arteries mm-hmm. of the people that you love. And you go for those when you are feeling unloved or hurt.
0: Yeah, and and Jack had attributed a lot of this stuff to idolizing his dad, to looking up to his right. dad. You know, his dad was a drinker, and that's where his his passion for what he's what he's done in music came from, from his dad. And in this scene, as he's getting out of getting out of the truck, he tells Bobby, he tells him, he says, basically, all those times I mentioned idolizing dad, it wasn't dad; it was you.
1: Ah. Oh, such a good one. Oh moment. my god.
0: Sam Sam doesn't say anything. No. That that's
1: the that's another big thing in this. See, he doesn't need to respond. He doesn't say anything. He tears he, up. He, he closes the door and you see him tear up. Uh like like he wouldn't do. Like this right. is a this is a rugged wrangler man, <laughs> you know, a cowboy. He, that, does meat he doesn't meet commercial emotions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that guy is incredible. Yeah. Um, and then to see him just tear up. Oh my and god! He doesn't say any words. There's nothing going on other than you seeing him backing up and, and out of of Bradley's life. Jack, I should say.
0: Yeah, it is. It, again, it's just in the exposition. Uh, what what isn't yeah. said, and just what's shown you using you see it? using the medium to its full potential.
1: Ah, uh, it's incredible. This is another reason why it was up for cinematography for sure, but then, looking back at that, I mean hindsight, we're saying that this is the last time that they're seeing each other
0: right right yeah and and that's kind of that's kind of what you're seeing there right it it It's telling you that it's showing yeah. that Jack's moving on to his the mm-hmm. conclusion of his story. Bobby's right. left behind, yep, so we see Jack walk into the house. You could tell he hasn't been there in a while, and he's seeing everything with mm-hmm. fresh eyes, sober eyes too. Yeah, absolutely. He seems happy. He's out in the back playing with with uh, Charlie, his dog, mm-hmm. and Allie's inside at the piano, and she's looking out the window and smiling. You know, she's just yeah. like this. We could finally have this figured out. This could be i wanted what he wanted and
1: that's what they wanted when they got married with Chappelle, that was yeah. Chappelle's house this is their version of that his house noodles house
0: then we move to rez showing up knocks on the door jack answers it tells rez "Allie's not here and rez is like yeah I told her that i'd meet her here
1: which is a lie i'm sure Are you, right
0: right what's going to happen is not a conversation that he would be having in front of her no way uh he goes in and
1: well he he goes in there and again this is a way for for him to divide these two people because he sees uh jack as a person that as you would say torpedoed uh, her career and it's happening right now and all this this water is is escaping from this thing and it's going to sink her ship and with her ship is rez And so the higher that she goes up and is sailing along just fine, the better off he is. So this is cutting Jack being who he is, is cutting into who he wants to be as far as a producer and making money and getting this star to continue to rise.
0: Success is your resume, right? What you do for your clients is is your resume. And so he's got a lot writing on, Mm -hmm. on Allie's career. Not Ali as a person.
1: And their relationship. But Allie's career. Exactly, if, yes.
0: If her career tanks yeah. and he's behind it, then this guy, it's a strike against his career.
1: That's bad news for his his career, yep. That's a demerit on his resume.
0: <laughs> as much of a, again, douchebag this guy comes off to be, He's a businessman first and foremost, and he's yep. uh, appears to very easily separate the human element from the business element,
1: yeah. and he and he's he's that devil on the shoulder that's telling her all these things that again, that all these riches are yours, and I'll just take your integrity and your soul. That's no big deal, right
0: right? So Rez makes his intentions clear. He's there to tell Jack that he almost single-handedly derailed her entire career. And also that Allie won't go ahead and tell him this stuff because she's too in love with him. He then goes on to say that Jack is an embarrassment to Allie. And that he's headed for a relapse and they both know it. And when that happens, he doesn't want Allie anywhere near him. So Allie comes home and, and, you know, Rez is gone and Jack's laying in bed. And she tells him that she's got good news, that they, they're they going to cancel the European leg of the tour, and she's just going to yep, stay home in the summer and be with him. Right. You know, she made that call, but she knew that she didn't want to put that on Jack because she knows he's yeah, still this in a fragile Yeah, this might have been the
1: position. first time that she's lied to him, right?
0: Yeah, I believe you're right. I don't think she's lied to him before that I can recall. I think the bigger thing is, though, that Jack knows that she's lying. And he he knows, he can see that what Rez was talking about is already starting to happen. She's pushing her plans for her career aside to go ahead and essentially babysit him. And you can see the stress on his face. She invites him to the forum where her last show is going to be on the, on the state side tour. And wants him to come up and sing Shallow with her. And he says, sure, why not? then we have her get up and she leaves and we have the same exchange that we saw earlier in the film from the first time that they met when she, he says, Hey, and she turns around and says, what? And he says, I just yeah. wanted to take another look at you. And she mirrors the tracing down her nose, turns around and gives what is essentially the, the casual. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll see you later. Cause, Bye, you, honey.
1: cause you never know the last time you're going out. to see somebody.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, you, you've always seen the person, whoever you're yeah. saying bye to, you always end up seeing them again. So it's just yeah,
1: like, yeah. all right, yeah, yeah I'll catch and this you. This is something that, um, in in film terms, that's bookending. So they did it at the beginning, and now they're doing it at the end, and it's it's similar. Going to the show that she's about to put on, when she comes off stage, she's asking, "Where's where's Jack? Is he here?" Because they're supposed to do a song together, and that's a book ending of. Now she's looking for him, and he's not there when she showed up to his.
0: Right. She leaves, and then it shows Jack. He's, he's got a yeah. big steak on a plate, but it kind of throws you a little bit because instead of going and sitting down and having something to eat, he kneels down, and he sets the plate on the floor. And yeah, Charlie, his sign. dog, comes up. Yeah, and so he's petting the dog, and and then he the dog starts eating the steak, and he grabs his hat and walks out, mm-hmm. goes to the garage, gets in the car. Supposedly again, maybe that's to leave, another to head to the red
1: that they're doing. like, oh man, they're gonna they're gonna crash. He's gonna be drunk. He's gonna be high,
0: or he's gonna oh, just go when to he the grabs concert. The pills, right, right. Well, he reaches into the yeah, he reaches yeah. into the glove compartment, grabs the pills, and so. Then we we switch over to Allie, in at least Mm -hmm. in the film at the height of her popularity, she's playing what appears to be a sold out show at the Forum in Los Angeles, and has her dancers there, and you know they're Mm -hmm. doing a little pre show prayer and how they're you know she's glad Jack's going to be there with her tonight. Then we cut back to Jack and he's getting out of the truck, but you only see it Mm -hmm. from like the waist down, so you see like the camera is just you know waist down. You you can get all the emotion and all the sense out of not even seeing any faces, you know, you see him get out and all of a sudden you see, yeah. You that, see and
1: That's again, the exposition without saying anything and just showing you with the film and him getting out stumbling and then dropping down his other hand. And you see the belts in the hand with a loop on it in a silhouette. And then that's when you realize, Oh, he's not going to hurt himself with a drive to the concert. This is where he's going to hurt himself,
0: and then you taking have him taking uniform. off his hat. Yeah, and standing in the the open garage door and looking blankly ahead, contemplating, and then takes a deep and breath. It's and then just still shuts something the door.
1: that we should say. Dude's a handsome man. I mean, <laughs> with those stunning blue eyes at that moment, and he's using that mm-hmm. as like. There's he sees no escape to help her out and this this is the no. end of it.
0: Yeah, no, this this, this is, is him yep. helping her out.
1: This is clipping the string you know, on this his is balloons, him on her balloons.
0: Right. And he you know, in his mind it's the only thing he yeah. can do to not go ahead and mm-hmm. be a hindrance to her and what she can be. Which given the choice She would, I feel, throw her career away to have him. And he knows that. Yeah. And that's why he does it. He's going to take himself out of the equation so that she can, so she can do everything that he knows she can. So, I mean, basically in this sense, it's the ultimate sacrifice. He Mm -hmm. slayed the demon, right? Which Mm -hmm. the demon was inside him. Yeah. And it's the only way he could defeat it. At least, as you know, as he thought, cuts back to Allie at the house, and she's going through the—they say—stages of grief, and she's yeah. in the anger stage. She was numb, and then she's in the hallway wrecking Just all the tour off. posters. Yeah. And you can you can tell that you know how much emotion is in there, and it almost says that she, this whole thing that she wanted with the, this, this music career and everything was a very cause of everything Mm. that happened Mm -hmm. to Jack. You know, she wanted all this so much and she's looking at these tour posters and, and I'm thinking in my head when she's doing this, that she, she sees this and it was like, if it wasn't for all of this, you'd still be here. You know? So it's kind of that I, I won all this, but at what cost?
1: It's like, how far, how far do you You push somebody? Right.
0: Right. Well, and they don't have her, you know, smashing dishes in the kitchen or turning over furniture point, or breaking yeah. windows. She's smashing the tour posters. One of the best film scenes
1: yeah, man. for me is her talking I mean, to Bobby. Again, these, these are tough for me. I mean, I'm it's, it's, it's tough to admit, but I'm a super emotional dude. So just, just seeing yeah, things me too. like this. I mean, we saw it together and we were both crying for sure at, at this point. Yeah. Um, and so to see, to see these moments and uh, like talking to uh, talking to bobby and and he's he like stops her he's like don't even think that this is a guilt on you don't ever think that way right
0: right yeah there's only one person to blame and that's jack in the conversation she's having with bobby you know he tells her jack's thoughts on music and how it's essentially 12 notes between any octave Jack loved how she saw him. Just fantastically written scene. We move on from there to what's the final scene. It it leads you to believe it's kind of like a, a memorial concert type of thing for Jack. She comes out and explains that, you know, she wants to do a song that Jack wrote for her, sings I'll Never Love Again. You have her singing that, and one of the interesting things about that performance was Gaga had this friend, mm-hmm. part of her team, uh, first a friend, but a tour manager that had been battling mm, cancer wow. and passed away from it and actually died on no. that day that they filmed this scene. Yep. So Bradley decided, you know, yeah. he said, Hey, you know, we're going to cancel filming for today. Yeah. And she's like, Nope. And so, uh, they filmed that scene. A lot of that emotion coming through there was for her friend that had passed away. You know, I'm sure she wanted to do it as a as a yeah. remembrance of her friend too, because she talks about it in an interview about that scene. It's a real powerhouse of a song. She's done up with her hair and makeup are mm-hmm. done, the dress, the jewelry. But then it takes and ends the song with just you know her and Jack at the piano. It
1: does that cross cut? Yep. and goes back to uh, it's it's almost like cutting into her mind. And this is how she sees the song and remembers the song, and and like they were by the piano. She asked him, "How do you see this?" And so she wanted to honor that by by having that is the way that it's intended and should be shot. And that's that's a credit to to either the the editor or uh, Bradley with the direction of being able to cut into that instead of using that scene. So that was fantastic.
0: She's reached the top, and then it shows where it all came from. How it was mm-hmm. just all, it was all music that started it.
1: Sitting right by the piano and making music together.
0: So we'll get into personal thoughts and, uh, on the film, but you know, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about what makes a great movie and all the behind-the-scenes pieces and parts that, that go into it, because I can tell you, as a novice amateur level podcaster who just worries about audio and audio editing and probably not really well at this point, <laughs> it takes a huge amount of effort just for a podcast to get it sounding even halfway decent. I cannot even imagine what it takes to do on a motion picture level, you know, a major motion picture, all the parts yeah. that are involved and all the talent that goes into that. And I, I you know, again, Jake, I throw it back yeah. out uh, to your court because, uh, it, it's definitely more, you're a lot closer to this, uh, end of it than, than a lot of us will ever be. So.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I definitely. Have, have studied it, but to actually do it, man, I, I would love to have something like that, but for them to do the sound mixing on a movie that is about rock stars. So you have so many different aspects. So you're going to have the demographic of, uh, somebody in music that's listening and watching the guitars they're playing and seeing, oh, this isn't a sound that would come from this amplifier. And so you have those people out there that look for things like that. And this was up for uh, Academy Award for sound mixing. So they they really did that correctly and and paid honor and tribute to the the sound aspect of it. They really spent a lot of time on that. And you knowing from just doing the podcast that you've done so far, how much time and effort goes into that? So that's just one aspect, and then to get a cinematography nod for so they're doing all the aspects right. It was nominated for eight different Academy Awards, and that and it won for best song, which was for uh, uh, "Shallow," and that's one of the things that this this story has been remade over and over again because it continues to be well liked from fans perspective but also critics perspective as well the first one in 1937 it was up for eight academy awards as well and then in uh i think it was 54 with the judy garland one that was a that was a musical and it had six nominations and the, the barbara streisand hers I don't remember how many times it was nominated, but I know that they won for Best Song for, I think it was called Evergreen. Um, and l- little known fact, Paul Williams actually helped her write that. And he's got notoriety for like living in the 70s and having a good career as far as a songwriter, but also in Smokey and the Bandit. When yep. He- <laughs> <laughs> Who was he?
0: Oh, he was but, junior, right? He yeah, with little- uh, those those. Uh, the cowboy suits.
1: Yeah. yeah, so they were the they were the backer for the, the the bandit to go and get some coors, which was bootlegging back when you get it from Colorado and go across the Mississippi. That was bootlegging. There we go. Oh my gosh, that's crazy! But he he won an Oscar before he did uh, Smokey and the Bandit for
0: writing a song with Barbara Streisand for Star Is Born. It is one of those films that you can tell a version of the story in pretty much any timeline. Yeah. The problem with some of the remakes that, that happen these days is you're making movies, remaking movies that were out 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. You have an entire segment of people. You're going to have people that, that are always comparing it to the one before.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Expecting certain things, or I liked it better when they did this. And that's each of these stories even though the outline is similar, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of differences in each of the stories. So yeah. it it feels fresh, right? If that makes it,
1: it, sense. It's, but it's like generational. Right. It's like each generation, as we come up, we have different opinions from the generation before us. Sure. And so our likes and our dislikes are going to be completely different. I mean, I uh, just right now with the state that we're in, in 2020, I mean, the differences between a movie that came out uh, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, we're looking at the uh, movies from the eighties that we, we, we used to idolize like a, like a Lloyd Dobler or uh, Harrison Ford. in uh, um, was it the, uh, the business one with uh, Melanie Griffith working, um, oh, working girl, working girl. Yeah. Working girl. So the relationships and the romance has changed over the years where Lloyd Dobler looked like he was a stalker because he goes and he puts his boombox up. And that's a completely generational thing of what romance was. And now in 2020, that is definitely frowned upon to do something like that. It's definitely creepy. And so this, this generation has a different way of looking at things. And movies are one of those things that we look at for for uh, uh um, the reality that we live in we we idolize them we look up we're like oh that's a good idea i should do that and maybe i can do that and be able to um fall in the love that they fall into like this so it's 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 generational the way that we look at the the arts
0: you know going back to a star is born there's a lot of you you run into movies Every so often you mentioned, you know, being emotional in movies. Well, I think it's important to go ahead and explain that, that that emotion doesn't necessarily mean tearing up and bawling in a movie, right? Emotion is seeing Avengers Endgame and seeing Captain America pick up Mjolnir, Thor's hammer and the crowd going nuts. Yeah, that that was a big one. That's emotion, Uh you know, just the same as tearing up. So just because to me, if a movie invokes any kind of emotion the worst thing i think for a film is for me to be able to sit and watch it and not feel anything
1: that's the worst not, yes not absolutely. hate it
0: not hate it not love it but just kind of sit not watch change it. position in my chair and flip to something else when it's over
1: and next week you have forgotten all about it
0: right and and to that. me that's that's a, a lack of emotion in a film is is probably the worst.
1: Um, That's the biggest insult.
0: It is. Yeah. You know, is... If,
1: if, if you don't evoke an emotion for something that took so much time for you, and we see the time and effort it takes people to put these things together. And if you're not getting a response or somebody to be emotional about it and, and passionate enough about it to do a podcast on it, or just however you want to bring it into your everyday life, Then it's it's almost like, well, what's the point of that? Sure. It's like we we want people to be entertained, to be emotional, to have some kind of uh, feeling from something that we felt passionate enough about to be able to record and document and put forth for other people to appreciate it or to to criticize it. Even
0: that's why I don't put anything into it. You know, when when I when I go into a film and you know there's something in it. I'm going to bring up another Marvel movie because they're, they're typically, you hear of things, popcorn movies and good mm-hmm. times, just having a good time and, and, and liking yeah. it. And there's those movies. And then there's, mm-hmm. there's movies just like that in, in the Marvel universe. Ant-Man yeah. would be one. A good yeah. popcorn movie. You go in, you have a good time. It's fun. You know, you mm-hmm. get some laughs and stuff. And then one for me, that's on, on a, Different level, and I know it is for you too because we've talked about it. Is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah, that's one of the best endings of all time.
0: It is, and to be able to go ahead and have evoked emotion like that in a movie with a talking raccoon,
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: is is again a testament to the filmmaker and and the, and the writers to be able to do that. So it shouldn't really you shouldn't be beholden to the story itself as to what you do with the story. That's that's what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, well, they break it
1: down in screenwriting It's like um, there's seven stories. That's that's the only stories, and you're just rewriting a different version of one of those seven essential stories.
0: Yeah, it's it's what you do with it, just like they said in *Star Is Born* and mm-hmm. the description of, of how they describe music. When I watch *A Star Is Born*, and there's there's movies you watch that you watch again and again mm-hmm. and again. This is one of those that you know. I mean, obviously, on a, if I'm in a fantastic mood on a friday night i'm probably not throwing a star is born in but you know. i was just
1: gonna ask you what what caused you to want to put this on what emotions
0: there's everybody likes i mentioned it before in the podcast before an an underdog story right
1: yeah Yeah.
0: and it has this type of thing at least for me to where you know you have you have characters who never should have gotten together end up getting together and so you know we all have that kind of thing where You want to be a baseball player. You want to be a singer. You want to be, I never wanted to be a singer, but at the same time, you always, you always want to go ahead and and do something more than usually you're doing. You know, you moved out to LA to go ahead and do something that you wanted to do. Yep. I like my job. I'm having a great time with it. Nobody's going to make a movie about this job I'm doing. And that's okay. That's not something (laughs) that I, but you know, there's. I've been riding. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that I, I really like about it, and I, I'm I see things in a lot of the movies that I like that aren't the big budget movies mm. that are easy for for nerds like me, you know, with Star Wars again, <laughs> the Marvel movies and stuff like that. Yeah, are films where the the characters are in one way or another broken or imperfect. Mm. I think to go ahead and be able to see that and be okay with it yeah. says a lot. I love this movie. I love Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. The characters in that, they're broken.
1: A lot of flaws in them, yeah.
0: I like a lesser known one is seeking a friend for the end of the world. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Again, imperfect characters. For some reason, I identify more with those type of characters than Mm -hmm. I do with somebody who's got all their shit together. How far do
1: you go, though? I mean, you're a bad Santa kind of guy, right?
0: I enjoy bad Santa, but I enjoy it for what it is. You know, I'll laugh at it. I'm not throwing uh, it on every... Every Christmas? Last time I saw it was probably three years ago. When I see this kind of stuff, I relate to it more. I I can tell you with my wife, there's probably... This is probably one... This is a movie she and I have watched together more than any other movie. And yeah? she, she doesn't like to watch movies more than once. Typically. Yeah, she's not big on that. No. For sure. And I bet she's seen this six times, at least. Wow. At well, least.
1: she's seen it seven times with me, so... Hey, I don't what? know how you feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> and we rarely go to a, a movie twice in the theater, her and I. I mean, I'll go to see movies I like more than once in the theater, but right. we saw the theatrical release twice. And then when it was released, the Encore edition, the extended version, we went and saw that.
1: Yeah. Dang. So yeah,
0: that's it's easily the movie that I've seen in a theater with her more than, than any other, and that's going over 23 years.
1: Oh, that's huge. That's great. Great to be able to find that.
0: That's probably another part of it. It just it hits on so many. It has the highs are really high, mm-hmm. the lows are low, but it also hits right there in the middle too. It has an, a a complete relationship from a beginning to the end.
1: Yeah, um, and that's uh, and that's something that you guys can pick out as a couple where you can see other couples that are flawed, and you can also see how it's it's. When you see those extremes that they're doing and somebody committing suicide uh you can see where where they went wrong and you can you can tell that and you can be able to make those adjustments and you can learn from other flawed people's mistakes mm-hmm. and so that's got to help your relationship and be strong and like you said, it's lasted twenty three years, and it'll It'll definitely keep going. Nobody else is going to have you. And no, no. I think she, she's pretty kind of happy where is, she's at.
0: <laughs> kind of the way it is at this point. But yeah. no, I mean, yeah. If if anybody was going to end uh, my relationship, it was would definitely be my wife getting uh, getting tired of of some of the stunts I pull. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, t- which which I think you've been around and a part of.
1: Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So
0: yeah, so she's uh, she's definitely more of the saint like quality than uh than than i am for some of the stuff she's had to put she up she puts up the with your shit yeah a lot of it
1: what what was your uh, wedding song that you came down to
0: oh it was uh the throne room <laughs> entrance from uh the end of star wars <laughs> so yeah she put up with that yeah and and various other things over the years but yeah this <laughs> this movie is just one of those things i don't know for whatever reason it it hit on the right notes with us and i remember you know, when I saw that trailer for it, usually I'm a trailer guy that likes the adventure action movies. I think those are my favorite trailers. If, yeah. You know, but I remember seeing this one. And I'm like, this looks fantastic.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I watched a whole documentary to, to just have some backstory to go and watch this. Because I didn't know enough about Lady Gaga when I saw the trailer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this looks really good. I want to find out. Because I didn't know that was Lady Gaga until it showed me at the end Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga. And I was like, Oh, that doesn't look like her at all. No, I know. That's, that I know.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's a mark of, of a great actor. Yeah. To where you can, I mean, that, that's gotta be the biggest compliment. I had no idea it was that person.
1: I didn't. Yeah. Right? She would probably love to hear that. So hopefully I'll be able to tell her firsthand.
0: Yeah. Well, if you see her in Malibu, tell her I say hi. <laughs> that
1: won't be the first thing i say by the way <laughs> <laughs> D- damn it don't forget, sorry don't forget your friends i will in that case but then if there's a second
0: <laughs> opportunity i'll bring you up well i appreciate that and and put in a plug for the podcast we'd love an interview because oh. <laughs> i'm sure she hasn't been asked a million times before and i'm sure she loves doing interviews
1: i'm sure she loves all that
0: this has been the film reel Okay, we're back for the music segment of the podcast, Sound You Can Feel, and we will be covering, again, from A Star is Born, the soundtrack, Lady Gaga's uh, performance of Is That All Right? Uh, This song in the theatrical release was at the end of the film, I believe, Jake? Yeah, um, it it came on in the credits. During the credits. Um, Right. So, uh, in if you've seen the encore version of the film, which may have been I may have covered parts of that in the uh, the film part of the review, we tried to stay away from the encore version, but I may have covered part of it. In that version, it actually takes place during what would be the reception, uh, the wedding reception, where she performs it live. And I believe if you look up the song on uh, Vivo. The actual music video version is taken from that as well. Uh, only one verse is done in the film, but I believe the VIVO has all the all the versions. So I would encourage you to go ahead and, if you haven't listened to it yet, stop uh, the podcast here and give it a listen. Again, it's called "Is That All Right," and it is off of the A Star Is Born soundtrack. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'd watch. I would definitely watch it there and and see that first verse and um that'll put a little context with it as well because just listening to the song uh might might not be the same feeling as if you're with the characters as we've been through this whole movie and to see them and the reactions that they have because i i I just experienced that where i'm watching the encore and i said to you i'm like Matt, why am i getting emotional about this i didn't i mean we're talking about the movie and we're seeing the song and we're looking at the lyrics but when she belts that part out that I want you. It's just, it just gets you uh, soup, samosh.
0: Right. No, I I agree. Um, And and that's a testament to the performances in the movie. You know, you have the writing, which is equally important, but if you don't have people that are convincing in their roles, and more Mm -hmm. importantly, in a film like this, have chemistry. Oh, for sure. Then it's, it's a difficult sell, but yeah, I mean, looking through uh, the song uh, lyrics, You know, you can just see and they make so much more sense in the context of the film, as you as you mentioned.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: We talked in the in the film discussion that we had about how you have one person who's super famous. And at a point in the film, you can tell that, you know, maybe, you know, he would maybe give all that up to go ahead and just have a simple life at that point.
1: Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. He would
0: reading through the lyrics. It's it's so well done lyric-wise in the way it ties in with the characters. Right? It really you really believe that it is something that Allie would write.
1: Yeah, you know? and that's the great thing about it. Uh, the lyrics are are simple enough and generalized enough that you would believe that she would write this about meeting him and and how that relationship would swell.
0: Right, and how how she actually feels about mm-hmm. Jack. So for instance, um it, it's basically a song and it's a, it's a short song but it's about life starting out it mentions uh life is so simple a little boy a little girl so it starts out i take it as hinting not hinting but going ahead and and seeing her and jack as children separately when they're when they're young that's where the song yeah. starts it jumps up to after they've met um it felt like summer when i kissed you in the rain and I know your story, but tell me again. Which leads into the next verse that says, nothing you say wouldn't interest me. All of your words are like poems to me. I would be honored if you would take me as I am. So it really shows in the song and in the film, you know, how invested they they are with each other. You know, not just mm-hmm. her saying that to him, but him, you know, feeling that way with her and, and nurturing her songwriting ability.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that's a big key is that, uh, with her saying, as I am. She's somebody that we've discussed about her not having the confidence to be who she is. And, and he has already shown her that that's the best thing about her is who she is. And so for him to have the confidence and her to have the confidence to really um, exemplify that and uh, to, to personify that with these words in a, in a song like this, really shows the the confidence that they have in one another.
0: Uh, it moves into the hook. I want you to look right in my eyes to tell me you love me, to be by my side. I want you at the end of my life. I want to see your face when I fall with grace at the moment I die. Is that all right?
1: Rude, you're getting my knees uh, buckled right now. I mean, well, looking at me and reading these words. Uh, married I mean, guy
0: here, so, and this will I be... I can't
1: help but fall.
0: Well, I'm... I'm <laughs> again a testament to the songwriting it's not me it's you know i i can't be blamed for what happens you know i'm sure colleen will understand uh, it's it's that kind of song uh, um yeah it, it and then it goes right into you know that that hook is really a a, a wedding mm-hmm. type of thing you know i, I want to love you forever and, and in the encore version she she introduces it and i think on the soundtrack it it goes at, uh, she opens a soundtrack with that as well. And the hook is really, I mean, it really spells out that it's a wedding, uh, you know, it just feels like a wedding song. We move into more of the uh, type of lyrics that say, uh, well, I'll just read it. Uh, I hope you're yeah. still with me when I'm not quite myself and I pray that you'll lift me when you know I need help. So uh, again, it's really reflective to me of, uh, marital vows. And in sickness and in health, type of thing. That's that's the kind of feeling mm-hmm. I get from from that phrase.
1: Yeah, this is looking like decades down the line. This is a forever thing. And when you're you're old and helpless and need somebody to help you, that's that's who you want to be there for you. Is the love of your life.
0: Things aren't always easy in a relationship, and it's those times when when people aren't acting like themselves. When you know they have mm-hmm. tough times and they snap at you and, uh, you know, whatnot. I think, you know, a lot in my own marriage and, and relationship, you know, there's been times over the 23 years that it hasn't been easy. And I think anybody who's been in a relationship, it doesn't have to be a marriage, but in any relationship, there are tough times. You know, at the beginning, everybody's on their best behavior. Everybody mm-hmm. uh, puts up with a little more, you know, over the years, things start to, you know, they just have tough times and they need, they need their significant other to go ahead and and help them every now and then. And so I think that's where that's going. And as you mentioned, that's a slow burn through the years.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. Uh, I think there's a a saying or a meme that says that if you can accept me at my worst time, you don't deserve me at my best time. Yeah. Right.
0: Exactly. And then it moves on to kind of a another look at the relationship up to the, a certain point after a certain amount of time. It's a warm celebration of all of our years. I dream of our story of our fairy tale. So again, um, yep. just like you said, the next phrase is one of my favorites because in songwriting to me, not a songwriter, but when I hear things that, that just hit you differently mm-hmm. and it, it's the movie, would this song hit me the same way without it? I I don't know, but you know, mixed with the movie, my life experience, my relationship and the movie and the song all put together, it just, it, it's something really simple that I think everybody who has kids and, you know, uh, a loving marriage can go ahead and relate to. Family dinners and family trees. Teaching the kids to say thank you and please. Knowing if we stay together that things will be right. And it's just that simple, that simple paragraph. It's all in what you relate to. And that for me, it, it just, it relates uh, to me. And it In the movie, it goes back to what, what you really hammered home. That... I mentioned it earlier again in this segment that at the end of the day it's just two people who are in love with other with each other and it's not all about all the glamour or the 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 stardom that they've both achieved at this point. Right. You know, it's something anybody would want.
1: Yeah, it's it's just like how the foundation of a family is built and you want to to Like they said, I mean, that simple line that I think you're referring to is the, the kids to say thank you and please. Just the respect um, that you try to pass on to your to your kids without having to uh, really be uh, a dictator to them, but for them to want to be respectful. Right. And, and that's just like so far down the line that you want to be with somebody that you love always and forever. Kind right. Of thing.
0: And, and, and want to go ahead and pass things on to your kids. And it, it's a simple thing. you it know is. Just, just it's. doing that. It's not, um, you know, I want to be with you for the rest of my life so we can buy expensive cars that we can afford because we're rich and famous. Right. <laughs> you know, that would be, that, that'd take a different tone. That seems more complex. It does. It does. <laughs> But uh, this way, it's relatable to a lot of people watching the film and following, you know, the the journey and the story. And then we go into the hook again to end it, uh, ending with "Is that all right?" So, uh, for me, yeah, I kind of explained it in this segment what it what it means to me. And you know, when you have trials and and tribulations in, in a relationship, and you have kids, and it just. It just really speaks to me on, on kind of that level. And like I said, the movie only really uh, amplified it because I was really invested in the story and the characters.
1: And and that's a testament to the, the screenwriting, the performances, and the the way that their, their chemistry comes together, but also what you look for in your life. And for them to be able to exemplify that and to show you that that's all that these people that are becoming celebrities and becoming stars, that's all they're looking for as well. And so there's a common bond there that you can identify with these people, even though they might have more money, they might have millions of followers or viewers that are watching them. You still have that, that human or that humanity that they possess, where they just want to have a good life with a good family. That's respectful.
0: Right. And I think that's why it speaks uh, speaks to a lot of people. Uh, do you know where I, I'm a fan? And I'm asking you because I know that where you want to go has to do with the motion picture industry. Mm-hmm. And and I know in talking to you over the years what a what a fan of, you know movies and music you are, and that's why it's such a good fit to have you on here. Where did it come in? Because I've seen it a few times. A Star Is Born. If you listen to the soundtrack, it's got dialogue mm-hmm. sprinkled in, and it seems to be. You know, you can listen to the soundtrack from the beginning to the end, and it kind of takes you through the story. Oh yeah, you know, I know that's not the first time it's done. I've heard it other places. Do you know where that came from?
1: I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, our buddy QT Quentin
0: Tarantino started that with Reservoir Dogs. Oh, how where about that?
1: He, yeah, he had Stephen Wright uh, as the DJ that would introduce the songs, and he would have dialogue in the movie that were that would lead up to the music that was introduced in in the movie so it gave a little context to the the songs as they're played on the soundtrack because they were such a a different entity when they're outside of the movie and so it gives a little bit of of that texture that film texture in the soundtrack that really transports you back into the film and so it gives that little, little, little bit that you don't get. And like I said to you earlier, where, where you're, you're reading it and, and we have the context of it, but there's just a little something extra where you want to see like Lady Gaga that's, that's speaking to Bradley Cooper and gives that context that we so, so desperately like to see.
0: So you have uh, a couple different type of soundtrack, right? You've got this one, which is all original material, in, yeah. in relation to the film, and then you you have the other types of soundtracks, where I guess you could have a, a score, which right, was-
1: you, you can have the score, you can have the original soundtrack, and then you can have just a soundtrack, which is not original music, but it's just songs that were were put into the movie based on on what they felt would be right for it
0: and that's where you would see a lot from the tarantino or the the james gunn soundtracks in, in the, you know the guardians of the galaxy or something like oh there. yeah it's, he's you know,
1: doing a great job with those
0: jake i want to go ahead and thank you for uh jumping on the podcast i really appreciate it you're Knowledge is a unique perspective that, again, back here in the Midwest is tough to get a hold of from somebody who's a lot closer to things than uh, we are out here, but yet you've got the Midwest background that that helps, so you understand it. You haven't gotten too big yet? (laughs) No,
1: not not quite. Just in the waistband. Nice. uh, Yeah,
0: I think we all have.
1: Yeah. The the COVID-19 pounder is yeah. what I think that's on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, it's it's been my pleasure to be a part of this and it's always great talking to you when it comes to any kind of movies or just uh, just talking talking whatever we want to talk about. So, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, well, I hope I hope that uh, that you'll be up for jumping back on when, later on down the episode list here.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You got my number.
0: All right. Jake, I appreciate it. Thank you very much.
1: No problem, man. I'll talk to you soon.
0: Well, I think that does it for a marathon episode of This Won't Teach You Anything. Thank you for listening. You can follow and interact with the show on Twitter at This Won't Teach. Instagram, This underscore Won't underscore Teach underscore You underscore Anything. No apostrophes. Email, This Won't Teach at gmail.com. Facebook, at This Won't Teach. Again, no apostrophes on any of those addresses. Again, I'd like to thank Jake Gehringer for jumping on and spending a bunch of time with me this week talking A Star is Born. And I'd also like to thank my family, my wife and my kids for putting up with the fact they haven't seen me much this week due to my heavy editing on this uh, ill-advised length of a podcast. Again, I want to thank all of you as well who have tuned in and listened, and we'll see you next time on This Won't Teach You Anything.